0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Terminus, the Black Sabbath of Extreme Metal Podcasts. Mm. Once again, I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. Beginner's Guide to Asatru purchased at my local Hot Topic outlet.
1: And I am the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Secluded Mountain Retreat for Left Hand Tantric Yoga, led by Thomas Carlson of the Dragon Rouge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like we're coming off the break, so I'm supposed to be high energy, but definitely my first thing is like, oh, fuck, I gotta
1: do this show account, God damn it. Oh, man. No, well, you, you talked to me, you you talked to me yesterday. You heard how just fucking like we were supposed to record this yesterday and uh, Black Metal Guy's head was uh, not quite in the game yet. <laughs>
0: mm. These can't you fucking ghouls live without us? Wasn't one year of the finest metal journalism in human history enough for you? We got to do yeah. it
1: again. I, well. the, the the people of Gotham cry out in their need, and I ask, why should I answer? Um. <laughs> okay. Uh. All
0: right, so we've got a we got a fucking show, man. You guys are back with Terminus. Um, we had a, a break for a couple weeks that was very nice for me because it coincided with two of the most brutal work weeks I've had since uh, starting with my new startup. And uh, I think it was the same for the black metal guy, but we're, we're pretty much, yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, yes.
0: We're, we're rejuvenated. We're ready to go and uh, spurg out about black metal some more. Um, but first off, Terminus news. Uh, In the Terminus Co-Prosperity sphere, uh, I've got one for you guys. Uh, So some buddies of mine from Mississippi in a band called Perceptions of Torment, uh, big surprise, brutal death metal band, uh, recently re-released their uh, first EP uh, called Hymns of the Grotesque Mind with severed records. Uh, It's just a little limited edition CD press, but it's nice that it's getting out there again. Uh, been good friends with these guys for a while. Uh, they've crashed in my place a few times while touring, and uh, hopefully, uh, with my death metal band, we're going to be going out and playing with them in Mississippi uh, this upcoming January. So, I figured it'd be good to rep the boys a little bit. Um, so, let's listen to a little bit off a track called uh, The Unclean Mind, which is a, uh, a fan favorite uh, for the band. And uh, mm-hmm. let me know what you think. <laughs> What did you think of that?
1: Yeah, I liked that. Honestly, if it hadn't said "slam" on it, I'm not sure I even would have thought it was slam. Uh, like, I don't
0: really think of it as slam death. It's it's really reaching back towards um, so, sort of a, a vein of Texas death metal that's been going mm-hmm. on for a long time. It's just it's kind of regional to the south, influenced
1: so. by NYDM, but different.
0: Yeah, because uh, like Texas and New York stuff has always been kind of similar, but uh, mm-hmm. the stuff this reminds me of would be like insidious decrepancy, um, talking to the guys. They turned me on to a lot of kind of regional heroes that have been around for a long time, but haven't really gotten outside. Bands like Ton, T-O-N, mm-hmm. um, very influential. Old bands like Prophecy, stuff like that. Uh, there's a There's a whole scene down in Texas of these really excellent brutal death bands. But unless you're really
1: deep into it, you would never hear of them. Best ever death metal band out of Denton. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it was me and not you who made that joke. Um, but uh, you know someone had to do it, um, so I took one for the team. Um, uh, That's fair. Yeah, I, I like I, I liked that. I'd say you know that. Yeah, that scans as a. Uh, um, the solo section was cool, um, mm-hmm. or I mean, in you know, such as it is. Uh, was cool. Uh I like the fast scalar runs a lot better than a lot of kinds of fast scalar runs like that, in part because I think they're like... They have a discernible structure, but they're also just pretty impressive. I know that usually I make a point of not being impressed by raw technique, but there, the raw technique is like generating intensity.
0: Yeah, and it's also, you yeah. know, it's got... Uh, it, it forms a nice... Uh, the riffing kind of forms a nice middle ground between old-school death metal melodic ideas and
1: kind of modern brutal death technique. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The trem riffing is kind of like incantation riffing. I mean, that's just me as a non-death metal guy trying to make sense of it. But it sounds more like old-school cutting trem riff as opposed to the continuous, uh, you know, the 16th or 32nd note chug patterns. But we will be getting to some of those in a little bit. And with for that, sure.
0: let's do a, let's do our rundown for today's show. And uh, Black Metal Guy, you're up first today.
1: All right, so uh, we are starting off with a bang, courtesy of our bud at Repose Records. Uh, this is *Opprobrium* by Lycaon. Uh That's L-Y-K-H-A-E-O-N. Uh, I think that's a uh, Greek refers to a Greek myth that has to do with dude turning into wolf. I mean, makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and this is, um, what this is, is, well, uh, not exactly easy to pin down, but it's, um, very heavy, uh, low end, murky black death. That sounds a little like the cavern thing, but, uh, ends up feeling pretty different.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh, speaking of those, uh, aforementioned 16th note scale runs uh <laughs> well i mean i gotta come back with a brutal death record uh but in this case it's one that a lot of people in that scene are actually talking about which is the uh, debut record by anthropophagus depravity uh called apocalypto out now on comatose music uh this is uh surprisingly enough giving the uh the content of their music actually a uh actually an Indonesian brutal death metal band um, but with some uh, some interesting twists uh, beyond the uh, the theme of the record that I, I think
1: a lot of people will enjoy yeah for sure um, all right and so then after the break we will be doing a uh, hellstrike uh or sorry hellstrike by hellstrike um uh that's uh one word yeah, album is one word band is two words don't get it twisted It's out on Chaos Records uh and this is sort of a kind of a de- you I think you actually looked more into the background than I did but this is sort of a uh m- group of different old heads from d- the death metal scene right like some some yeah, mexican dudes you. right
0: It's a couple Mexican dudes, and I think uh, who relocated to the Pacific Northwest and And, uh, picked up a couple new members for a new band.
1: Word. So what this is, um, you could call it, uh, you could sort of call it war metal, but I think there are reasons not to. I think I'm going to try to convince people why we could call it barbarian death metal and why maybe that is a helpful tag for some things. Um, Regardless, it's the sort of... uh, Black Death that has that um, you know, chest-thumping Conan feel that you know I love. <laughs> as, mm. as always, very sword-oriented. Oh, ex- yeah, very sword-oriented, although maybe not in the way that people would quite expect. That is true, that is true. And then uh, wrapping up
0: this evening's shenanigans... <laughs> Strap on your trench coat, we're going back to 2004 with Sarin Vomits, Awaken Ye Impious Hordes of Shaitan, <laughs> out on Blasphemous Art Productions. This is a Turkish band with a white, black, and red album cover, and you know what it is? It's Norsecore time, baby. Y'all have forgotten the term, but these guys haven't, and they're coming back to prove why it was so cool back in the day
2: <laughs>
0: real quick before we uh get into the meat of our show uh, i forgot to mention it up front but uh if you like what we're doing feel free to follow us on social media you can follow me the death metal guy on facebook at terminus podcast or the black metal guy on instagram at terminus extreme metal and additionally if you really enjoy what we're doing uh you can subscribe to us on patreon or subscribe star and up gets you access to all of our Terminus Prime bonus episodes. Uh, If you want to see what those are like, we just recently made uh, one of the latest ones available uh, to the public. Uh, A sprawling three-hour account of the micro-scene of Torture Doom back in the mid-2000s. And $5 and up will get you access to the Terminus Black Circle, uh, which is our private Discord server where you can talk about, I don't know, your... Favorite anime waifus and uh, cool black metal tapes worth more than your life, and all the assorted odds and ends that come with extreme. What if they're the same? Well, I mean, given all the uh, anime black metal we've been hearing lately, I mean, they probably. I just mean, what if it is the tape? Yeah. My 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 old uh, black murder tape uh, I, is uh, only, my wife. I,
1: I only wish my Bakira tape was large enough to wrap my arms around.
0: <laughs> would, you see, there's there's a merchandising opportunity, you know, body pillows mm-hmm. shaped like classic black
1: metal demos. Mm-hmm. As uh, it is, I just caress it between my feet every night.
0: That's good, that's good enough. And with that, let's get to the show. So black metal guy, take us away with our first record of the night.
1: All right, so, opprobrium, opprobrium by Lycaon on Repose Records. Uh, this is uh, sort of, um, you know, it's this is kind of a thing we've been talking about lately. Like, what has happened mm-hmm. to the thing that used to be known as cavernous death metal or to its um, detractors, which I suppose would have included us, uh, cavern core. Um Right? It was a, an interesting sound that became kind of a formula, but this doesn't really sound... This is low-end, it's murky, It uh, lots of reverb, um, certain kinds of uh, dissonant Black Death riffing, but more in an old-school sense, which we'll get into. Uh, and yet it is it is different. I mean, I think so... It, it is, this is also coming, I should say, out of the sort of uh, Helvetic underground committee scene, right? Which brought us, like, the band Goifer review, we reviewed on the show, uh, Ataygar, who I really, really like a lot. I think a guy from that is in Goifer. Um, also, I mean, I think the band from that scene that's, like, the most popular now is Ungfell, mm-hmm. um, right, who just had another record out recently. So this is from a, you know, a, a serious and uh, very active scene, potent scene right now. Uh, mostly focused on very black metal black metal and this is more of a foray into uh, you know like heavy sound forward death metal influenced stuff right this is there's a lot about tone and gravity here Mm -hmm. Um, what uh, I suppose let's just start talking about like I think we're both interested in trying to figure out exactly what this sounds like right so we might as well play that game first
0: yeah, mm. well, I think, I, I think you're correct about like what did Cavern Core become, but I, I would add to that. I think what we're seeing now is a weird dovetailing of both Cavern Core kind of ideas along with orthodox black metal. Oh it yeah, sorry, that,
1: that's the thing we've talked about. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, those two sounds have kind of intertwined in interesting ways, and. I mean, we could be out of the loop, but it feels like only just in the past couple years that that became its own thing, you know? I would almost call it, like, post-Orthodox, if I really want to be pretentious about it.
1: We um, need to find a different name, but I know what you mean.
0: We yeah. need a name for it. Um, yeah. But uh, we were talking a little bit off mic and, uh, well, on mic but not recording, you know? <laughs> uh <laughs> What this reminds me of immediately is another artist on Repose Records uh, called Death Void Terror, and uh, Repose was kind enough to send me a batch of CDs uh, that uh, they thought I would enjoy, and among them was To the Great Monolith 2 by Death Void Terror, uh, which is actually another Swiss band Uh, It seems that Repose covers, they've got a lot of Swiss artists on the label, very closely tied in with that uh, Helvetic Underground scene. Um, So Death Void Terror is a band that basically uses a lot of the same constituent elements of this band, but Mm. just a little bit further down the rabbit hole of weirdness. Um, Death Void Terror is, so they're kind of a doomy black death band, very cavernous production very kind of minimal, almost ambient, structured songs. Uh, I would almost call it like, what if you took, uh, what if you took abruptum to a focus group, and they were like, "I like the vibe, but could we have actual music here?" Then you get <laughs> death by terror. Um, and then Lycaon is another step towards the center from that, where it's like, okay, these are actual songs and these are actual riffs, and there's. It's, it's subtle, but there are kind of heavy metal kicks in this music, despite how odd it might seem at first blush.
1: Yeah, so it's this is actually quite riffy. Um, yeah, it is very uh, riffy. Uh, it sort of comes on as a slow, lumbering, immersive record in a good way, but mm. I think probably at least 50% of this is blasting. Um, yeah. But And, like and, and with developed blast riffs with uh, sort of uh, interesting harmonies.
0: Yeah, which that's very correct. There's a lot of very interesting riffing on this. But like you said when we were talking about it before, um, this is presented in a way, and I think the intent is to listen to this as a sort of ambient record. You know, yeah. like, I, 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 despite how riffy it is and despite how immediate a lot of the things that are happening are, I think this is designed to be listened to as a sort of old-school hypnotic black metal record.
1: No, I agree. Yeah, we were talking about that. I was saying, dude, I really like this record in some way, but I, it's kind of elusive. Like, I was almost like, I wanted to make sure I would, you know, like, like, pin down my thoughts because it's kind of elusive. When I listen to it at certain points, it just glides by me. Um... And that's, I think it's kind of that thing where you just listen to it a lot, and as you listen to it, you'll notice different parts that you didn't hear before. I mean, and this relates to another thing we've been hearing a lot lately, which is sort of, you sort of touched on, but like, uh, we've talked about it a bit before on the show. Yeah, it's like, the idea that like, in the last, I don't know, five years, we've got a lot of bands who are working on making extreme metal that sort of like, sounds good pleasurable to listen to in a way that might be intelligible to people who like music um but uh yeah. you know but like uh is also uh you know um like functions as extreme metal right and has is not is not poppy is is aggressive or intense or sort of uh is seriously atmospheric and immersive um and you know we get like a great example of that is the narboleth record from uh you know a month or two ago right yeah, that's a good ago, example. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, you e- know, even that...
0: uh, even something like uh, oddly enough, uh, another record that uh, Elijah Temu mm-hmm. did the art for mm-hmm. would be the Inferno record. We co- mm-hmm.
2: oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, All these all these records have found a certain production quality that's not like the um, uh, the bludgeon of death metal or the attack oriented sort of cutting of black metal or any kind of synthesis of those two it's uh this sort of more fuzzy low-end uh warm but not in the poppy sense production right it's not it's not this kind of like like uh shiny mid-heavy stuff
0: yeah it's kind of like a uh, kind of like sludge doom production almost
1: yeah kind of right um so a good band that a good band that kind of did that all very early is Arcanum. But um, anyway, we should we should get going. So um, should I roll to the first sample? Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah. So um, I'll roll to the first sample and then I'll use it to talk about, uh, some course, songwriting and some other cool things. This sounds li- this sounds like uh, that. Uh, yeah. So this is um, the first big track on the record I think which is a stain upon celestial rule uh, and uh, we're gonna drop in in the middle and there's this really cool this is the first wh- thing on the record where I was like okay here's the riff it's this big slowly cycling Dorian riff and you'll hear what they do with it structurally So that that last blast section um sounds very norwegian, doesn't it?
0: It sounds norwegian. I mean, this is also one of the more uh, to my ear clearly orthodox inspired parts of the record, but mm-hmm. but from the earlier phases of that scene. Like I'm picking up a lot of like a uh, funeral mist marantha type stuff. I think there. it's
1: Maranatha, but yeah. Maranatha, yeah, it might be. Yeah, yeah. I, You you listened to that record more than me, but you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Er, early says so, sort of orthodox stuff, or like, um, I guess my my key reference for that point is always like Good Era Watane, which was like, short. Yeah, um, yeah the, like
0: the first two albums yeah, or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So like, yeah, the, when, when orthodox was less of a sort of hermetic world dominated by DSO imitation. Mm-hmm. Um although I think DSO is kind of a reference on this album in a way that we're not used to hearing which I'll come back to. Um but uh but yeah, so very orthodox um but what I really liked is that dom 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 kind of riff, right? Mm-hmm. Um they and that that has a big hook um and it has a lot of atmosphere. Um and what they do is they only repeat it twice, and I put it in dialogue kind of with this. It re- recurs throughout the song, but only in this two rep, two rep iteration, two mm-hmm. rep kind of thing. And then it's in dialogue with this sort of tension-building riff, right? And here that mm-hmm. just kind of builds builds us to this this chug passage, then the way into the blast. But um, uh, you know, part of me would love to just hear that riff more, right? Um, yeah. call call me naive. Call me, uh, you know, but um, at the same time, it's sophisticated composition and it's a refusal of the easy thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Moments like that are high impact on this record. They do very, for a band, often bands like this really do badly with low tempos.
0: Yeah, that's Um, true.
1: This band seems to speak that kind of riff as a native language. And that kind of riff is not really a doom riff in the sense that in many of the conventional senses of that word, except that people use doom to refer to anything slow, right? Of course, it's like yeah. doomy, right? Um, what what it sort of reminds me of, and those slow parts on the record remind me of, are like, uh, you know, this the sort of uh, heavy, heavier, more... Uh, Low end, more maybe sort of mystical counterpart to the Hessian firm dark metal. Uh, you know, okay. the sort of like early Protean uh, black death stuff. Like, um, I mean, uh, lately I've just had Tiamat on the brain, but I think that's mm-hmm. a very fair reference for this one. Um, that or uh, f-
0: old um, old Hellenic stuff to a degree.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure as uh, I'm sure as you know, Swiss dudes. I'm sure they also like fucking um, you know, samail, right? Although, mm-hmm. um, it's not really a samail. Well, the, the, some of the chug on the you know the chug on here could be a little samail, but it doesn't really have that sort of like like Celtic frost carried to its logical conclusion thing. Um, well, I I think the whole thing you're really getting at, which <laughs> I agree with, is that you know while
0: this is a a very modern record. You know, obviously this is mm-hmm. a twenty twenty one a record. The the fundamental tissue of it, um, you know, melodically and structurally, probably existed in Norway by
1: around ninety seven, I would say. Just in terms of the basic all the basic technique on here. Like Yeah. And yeah.
0: I, I think that I think that the the riffing styles and the melodic patterns have a lot more to do with traditional black metal than a lot of bands in this sort of niche do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's, it's refreshing to hear that, right? Because it's like there's something intuitively good about this idea of like big, immersive, reverby, atmospheric, death metally stuff. But um, to have it backed by the kind of traditional you know traditional riffing and melodic chops is makes it more substantial um yeah yeah so um, also you know there's probably as you would say some grand declaration of war on here yeah Uh,
0: i mean i i was thinking that in my head but i figured everyone was tired of me comparing anything to that i I just i just do it because i love you i took care of it okay let's roll on (laughs) thank you (laughs) you're my you're my sweet boy Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, next track, uh, Abducting the Seed. So uh, I'm going right from the opening on this one. I think that Mm -hmm. this band does really strong openings to these tracks. I really like the way they kind of set the stage. Um, And what you're going to hear is something not unlike the previous one. Uh, But this one is where I think you can hear a little bit more death metal in the sound, a little bit more immediately. Uh, And I really like it when... This band is in that mode. Like uh, Some of this reminds me a little bit of that uh, Tiradero de Cadaveres record we covered a few months mm. back. Really, if you guys haven't heard that episode, awesome, bizarre sort of Mexican Black Death project. Um, and uh, they're also showing a mastery of this, this kind of new technique that you're seeing a lot of these bands use, which is almost kind of ambient meets doom stretches which can be tiring in a lot of other bands but Mm -hmm. these guys pull it off really well I think one of the interesting things about this record is doing this kind of music, it seems like it would be really easy to fall into, you know, a a sort of fuck it style of structure where it's like, let's just do every riff eight times, but they Mm -hmm. don't. They're doing these kind of elaborate, you know, 11, 12 minute songs, but they're paying a lot of attention to the pacing and they're trying to constantly switch things up, which I don't think necessarily goes against what I feel like the goal of the record is, which is to make sort of meditative extreme metal as sort mm-hmm. of, <laughs> as sort of oxymoronic as that may sound. Um But I think they really pull it off. And even in those big kind of vast, empty, quote unquote spaces, there's always some sort of sound object pulling you along. Maybe just like weird vocals,
1: the Keening guitar lines and stuff. I mean, but I
0: found, oh, go ahead.
1: Having actual guitar presences in those is huge. That's one of the secret weapons on here. Uh, I'll come back to that with mine. Um, like, or even at the end, right, that was fulfilling the slow ambient part function, and... It's not even that the guitar presence was the dreaded, uh, spoopy, orthodox arpeggio, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, Thank um, God. There's none of that right? on this record. And, what you get <laughs> is a good use of the sort of noisy guitar stuff that a lot of metal bands forget about. You get sort of like feedback and stuff and overtones. Mm-hmm. And that you get, at the end, you get this sort of like, like the 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 riff that happens right at the end, right? Without the, you know, any drums hammering under it or whatever. It's like, one of the catchiest on the song, and it's built around this kind of free, slow guitar melody that depends on these sort of, like, I don't know, glidey kind of feedbacky slides. And it's like, it recalls the blast riff, but isn't it? And it's highly developed.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's very smart songwriting um, that resists the urge, like you said, to do the easy thing. Like Any number of other bands would have done the spooky orthodox arpeggio right there. They say, no, Mm -hmm. let's make this... It's a standard part of one of these songs, but there's no reason that it can't be special and
1: interesting within that structural conceit, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, you know, like, maybe one way to look at it is, like, you you can have the big atmospheric production, and then when you look closer, right... Mm-hmm. there ain't much going on, right? Or you can have, and it turns out, oh, these riffs are just vehicles for the big atmospheric production, which is often a problem in this style. Or it can be like, the whole point is that not only are there riffs to look at when you zoom in, right? Because there are like riffy bands in this style. They're sort of like riffy, dark war metal bands. I mean, this anti-Diluvian, right? Which is extremely mm-hmm. riff-oriented. Um, but it's like, you have the cavernous vagueness and it's created in part because there's all this stuff slithering around in ways that are actually meaningful but elusive.
0: Yeah. No, it's like... Mm -hmm. like, That was really... The fundamental problem of cavern core and orthodox black metal were kind Mm -hmm. of the same problem.
1: Uh, Oh. Which -hmm.
0: is that they arrived at a set of techniques both instrumental and production techniques, as well as some structural techniques where it was very easy to get away with kind of lazy writing, I think. Um, And I think that's what sucked the wind out of the sails of those scenes. You know, people started copying the progenitors without really understanding the actual work that went into songwriting. You know, they just kind of replicated the symbols and made the simulacrum of the original, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it fell apart as a result. Now, after the the ruin of those two scenes, we have people rising up, recapturing what was great about it in the first place, and being like, oh, we should probably write some actual fucking riffs for this music, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah,
1: um a thing that sort of helps confirm that principle is the opposite of it, which I think I actually forgot to mention in the review, but, you know, when we did that passeism thing, right? One yeah. thing, that was in some sense just a pitch-perfect um, genre exercise in this sort of French chivalric thing. Uh, yeah. And yet, um, part of, in that genre, right, whereas in, like, Cavern court it became, in the cavernous stuff, it sort of became like, oh, you get the production, Orthodox, oh, you get these arpeggios, whatever. In in that particular scene, like, the barrier to entry is, like, being really good at riffs, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like to be included in the genre in the first place. It has to be insanely riffy.
0: Yeah, um, it's a, it protects
1: it's, itself based on its own definition. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. All right. So um, uh, next next sample is also mine, and this is coming off again the next track, Descent into Ruinous Splendor. Um, this track has, I think, my favorite riffing on the album, mm-hmm. and something that's really cool is. This is an extremely well-executed album, but I'd say for the first half or so, it's kind of playing within this certain box that's been defined Mm -hmm. for this like burgeoning style. This is where we start to hear them break out of it a little bit more, and some more color gets added. And there's some really cool, very sort of ornate, melancholic riffs here that aren't attributable to any of the the usual suspects in the style. Yes. And... I really like that, and frankly, there's no reason people shouldn't have been trying that already. I I think the idea of, fuck, okay, we got this kind of orthodoxy, kind of cavernous thing, let's just do like a big, sad, melodic black metal riff and just see what arises from that. And it turns out what arises is a really fucking cool, really unique style. So uh, let's try this one out.
1: I like metal.
0: Yeah, I like metal. But you know you know what it is? It's air Bud rules, man. There's no rules saying the dog can't play basketball. And there's also no rules saying you can't have your big arcing DSBM lead in your weird sort of orthodox thing. I mean, mm. why not? Let's try it out and see if it works. Wow, this works great. Let's elaborate on these ideas in future records and in other bands, etc. It's like it's such a simple idea, this simple juxtaposition, but that big arcing melodic lead gives so much weight to the following kind of nastier dissonant mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful contrast in a style that that kind of thrives off a lack of contrast
1: yeah for better or worse, depending on the band, dude, yeah, I mean that part is uh really good um, it's another thing you could say, just in terms of this being way just i you know really what it is is like a lot of good bands these days they're sort of just rediscovering the art of listening to the black metal that is good and the death mm-hmm. metal that is good, and like uh not throwing it all in a blender, but sort of approaching it with. Uh, you know just sort of playing the riffs they want but with all that knowledge in the background right and a yeah. lot of these when when I think a lot of these trem, trem lines like I'm re- although the tone the guitar tone and the intervals sound like this orthodox stuff and although there's a lot of the Norwegian vibe I'm also always reminded of the like the detailed twin guitar work that you get in Sacramentum or Dawn or Dissection or any of like the Swedish bands where it's like wow, we have two great guitarists and we're actually going to use that to write the riff. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, like well, I think which one is the rhythm part? Which one is the lead? Oh, well, they're both chords and they're being played really fast. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty obvious that these guys are extremely talented musicians. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, they're in like a, a couple bands together and one of the guys is one of the dudes from Ungfell. Um, hmm. So... I, I think what happened with this project was, you know, you've got these two guys who are like very familiar with each other. You know, they've worked together before in other projects and they basically say, OK, let's start a new thing and let's kind of design it from the top down. You know, it's mm-hmm. like these are our influences and moreover, these are the parts we want from each. How do we fit these into our paradigm of the kind of themes we want to explore it's it's approaching it from a very intellectual perspective, I think, uh, which sometimes can throw bands off. But I think here it's it's one of their big advantages.
1: Yeah, you know, um, this is a ambitious album thematically. They go for Hades is a abju- ab- Hades abduction of Persephone, right? So the uh, you know the the daughter of the goddess of fertility, Demi- Demeter, uh, sort of. The daughter sort of represents you know spring and summer, right you know, abducted by the god of the underworld, explains you know winter and darkness. Uh, but of course, more than just explaining it embodies that process and allows people to align themselves with it. Um, and the uh, the lyrics are pretty damn good. I checked out that. There's only lyrics for one track online, but they oh uh, they're they have all this up now. Oh, okay, word. They have this theatrical quality and it doesn't come off as rock opera. It comes off as like, we've read Greek tragedies and we are not foolish enough to attempt to imitate Aeschylus. But we're <laughs> gonna put some we're gonna put some strong, simple lines in the voices of these characters, like dialogues, right? Hades, mm-hmm. Persephone, right? And have uh and, you know, to the degree that there's any ye olda in it, it's just the stuff that comes naturally and is pretty close to Things that translators will use to show you oh this is an elevated mode of Greek or whatever you know it has a good quality of like uh, you know there's a there's a slightly more there's a somewhat more uh, deliberately highbrow approach than you would get in say and sort of like premeditatedly highbrow approach than you would get in like Emperor but it's a it's about the same sort of skillful and light use of very heavy material
0: yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, on that note, I mean, this really continues, this also sort of continues what you were talking about, I guess. So I guess there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's there's maybe some kind of, maybe, yeah, as you were saying, the band's essence really emerges on the second half. Um, uh, this continues what you were saying about great melodic riffing, um, and uh, this is on the whorish arrogance of immortals, right, which I think is a line uttered by, you know, sort of Persephone, right, who of course is an immortal herself, right, but is, you know, sort of reflecting on the, the boundary-violating essence of divinity um, and uh, in the pagan world, right? And uh, you get the, um, you know, and she's lamenting it for her, for her own sake, right? Uh, um, here we get that, we start with that ambience thing you were talking about, And once again, like, if you listen, there's something going on and it's actually a buried riff.
0: sophisticated riff writing there
1: yeah yeah love the sort of like yeah man i mean that is that's just a real fantastic melody uh it's drawn out in a really cool way and yeah the alter the way it sort of called they do i guess this is maybe a more effective version of that call and response thing i was pointing out at the beginning yeah i get got, that you've got the ma- like massive epic sort of classically consonant but not in the you know not in an easy way riff uh and then the dissonant counterpoint to it that that happened during your sample too um but not yeah. not the second one but the first i think well i think or, wait, what you see yeah, yeah. no sorry I, the I, second
0: yeah. yeah i i think what you see here is i think i've talked about this a little bit on the show cuz we've been talking mm-hmm. about how basically all the cool people in kind of cutting-edge extreme metal mm-hmm. have figured out that elongating the riffs is a way forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah.
0: you can really hear that here, but something else I've talked about is the idea of, like, the riff where there's an entire narrative arc within the riff. This mm-hmm. is a case of that. There's a whole story mm-hmm. within this single, very long riff. You know, it's, uh, it, it's sort of like... It, not to be too on the nose given the the subject matter of the album, but it's sort of a Greek chorus effect. You know, it's a you get a narrative sense of something being described to you through the guitar, which is, mm. I mm. think, sort of the ideal of extreme metal, you know, is to have a story played on guitar for you. And here, they really nail that. Well,
1: that was lovely. Um, <laughs> should, should... Yeah, man, so something about that really sophisticated riffing uh maybe signals that they have successfully digested an influence that very few other people have uh which would be the actual riff riffs in DSO mm-hmm. um like you know the thing that um although they get always used as this byword for a certain kind of hyper dissonant guitar technique, right. Which they're not even the only source for, um, even on something as sawing and angular as Paracletus or whatever, or, uh, even on that kind of like God fleshy record they did the other year. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's got this, um, you know, that, that guy just writes these incredibly elaborate, uh, richly neoclassical riffs that are, um distinctly french but like on the scale of the norwegian and swedish stuff and like and then some sometimes right Mm -hmm. um and those are like those are kind of um i think often what people stick around for with that band but um (laughs) you know how do you imitate a riff like that well it's not a stylistic thing because stylistically you could say okay it's the same style as x y or z ornate french black metal right you can only imitate it by being really good Um, and so the, uh, you know, like the only other band I can think of that really does that is Serpent Column, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that riff sounds like a, it sounds like a bunch of stuff, but it really sounds like a, uh, big, uh, you know, one of the anchoring riffs on a DSO song. And that kind of has like, that really feels like a slowed down DSO climactic blast riff. Uh, and actual, and if you go back over the record, some of those big melody moments, really make more sense in light of that and it signals a pretty uh pretty impressive uh ambition on these guys uh part and maybe also where they're coming from in terms of probably being dudes our age who in the early 2000s were interested in the most ambitious and grandiose cathedral-sized stuff right you and your notes we haven't even mentioned them yet but you mentioned Mm -hmm. ruins of beverest
0: yeah, I think I think Ruins of Everest is probably a big part of this, especially like, especially like very early and very late ruins. Mm-hmm. Like unlock mm-hmm. the shrine and like, well, maybe not super late, but like blood vaults. That's what I'm mm-hmm. hearing a lot of here.
1: Yeah, certainly it's got the kind of like crawling and torturous qual- quality at parts, and um, uh, the way you know the long bent. Some of those, uh, the the slow riff on your on your last sample, the just the really heavy one, is very, Mm -hmm. very "Ruins of Everest." Um, And yeah, so bring it back around, like to the just one other thing about this, tie it back to the theme a bit. It's like, uh, so "Ruins of Everest" is you know also has this kind of uh, lush ambience to it. Like obviously, like uh, soil of the incestuous is a go-to for that, but on the latest later. Uh, ruins later the newer ruins of Everest it's like every song right to some degree Mm -hmm. Um, Exuvia and uh, Thule Grimoires Um, and part of that is because ruins themselves are drawing on this sort of mystic esoteric early 90s Black Death stuff like like you know Tiamat and Samael and all this and uh, what those bands have like we've talked on the show before about Wild Honey but there's other records like that like they're kind of sexy Right, (laughs) and this they're much more interested in that side of things than most extreme metal subsequently is. Right, I mean, obviously, you've got songs like you know, um, Satanic Nun, I Will Despoil You, right? But, um, yeah, yeah, you know, um, and this record, right, it sort of deals with a right, it's the abduction of Persephone, and you know, she becomes queen of the underworld, right? And it's this sort of like lust of a chthonic god for this fertility deity right and there is it's it's part it's in part a partly it's a you know uh sure partly it's a story about death and stuff but really it's a story about death it's we're in a moment in a story about death and rebirth and regeneration right so the story has a lot to do with the darker undertones of sexuality and whatnot and i think a thing that can help explain the immersive atmosphere on this is that sort of focus on the uh you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, the, the sensual dimension of, uh, of things.
0: Hi, this is Taylor from crushing the scepter and you're listening to terminus podcast. All right, we're back and, uh, you know, we we did all the uh, you know the high minded intellectual stuff up front. Now the rest of the show is just yelling, basically. <laughs> yeah. Why
1: don't I have a drink? Actually. Um,
0: oh, go, go go get one.
1: one. Hang on. Go get yeah, one you while start. I in. You you start. Yeah, you start slamming. All right. All right. Her return. All right.
0: <laughs> so what'd you get?
1: Uh, it's a cocktail I call the uh, Three Finger Death Punch. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's just uh, no, uh, knob creek and two ice cubes.
0: You see, I cannot do uh, I can't do whiskey rocks, man. I got to do it neat.
1: For sure, unless for it's, me, it's a, unless it's like with a mixer, obviously. Ah, uh, yeah, well, Southern boy. Yeah, no, for me, this is a. For me it's like I'll do it neat in the winter and in the summer I'll tend to go rocks for a little smoother. Or if I gotta stretch it out over a session of terminus. Fair enough. Or I guess a single a single review. Or just get shit hammered like I do every third episode. It's fine. Hey, we got three reviews to go. All right.
0: Anthropophagous depravity apocalypto out on comatose music, uh, one of the, uh, best labels in Brutal Death Metal right now, A long running, uh, Steve Green, uh, from Lust of Decay, the, uh, the head man behind it, very sweet boy, uh, I remember one time, uh, a funny aside, I remember ordering some CDs from him, um, you know, uh, back in the mid-2000s when I was a teenager, and, uh, I ended up, there. a phone call came in, and my mom was like, hey, this is Steve on the phone for you. (laughs) She handed it to me. I was like, hey, man, this is Steve Green from Tacoma Toast. Yeah, uh, some of the stuff you ordered, uh, I'm on tour right now, so uh, it'll be a little bit before it ships out. I just wanted to give you a heads up. I'll toss a couple freebies in there for your time. And I'm like, "Uh, I'm 15 (laughs) <laughs> and this is very, this is very exciting.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, awesome.
0: so yeah, he's a great guy. Um, so uh, Anthropophagus, Depravity, uh, newer Indonesian brutal death band. Um, and what is there to say about this? So this, this record is getting a fair amount of attention in the brutal death scene right now. And... I think the reason why is because it's consolidating a lot of the ideas we've heard on Brutal Death records over the past couple years
2: mm-hmm.
0: into a, a new sort of foundation for the style, or at least a, a new uh, a new center point. Um, because the way I listen to this, uh, this record, Apocalypto, is really a, a perfect middle ground of all these different tendencies we've heard. Uh, in brutal death uh, that we've been covering on the show, you have the uh, the sort of impenetrable, dense walls of blast beats and just super fast sixteenth note uh, brutal death riffs. Uh, you've got those touches of more abstract, textural kind of ulcerate or disentomb riffing, and you've got some of these more epic, melodic, evocative parts. A la Behemoth—that's the first thing that comes to mind. But I'm sure there's Brutal Death equivalents that are probably more accurate to what these guys are listening to. Um, and the ultimate result is a record that's—it uh, might seem a little plain at first, but then once you get into it, you start to realize it's not plain. It's—it's it's consolidating. You know, it's—it's it's taking. Everything these guys are listening to, piling it into a single record that other bands can build off of. And honestly, they pretty much nail it. I mean, it's exciting all the way through. It's it's varied. You know, there's a lot of different modes and textures these guys operate in very comfortably. And overall, I can see why everybody's talking about it it's just a a wonderfully well-rounded record that i think could even serve as an intro to brutal death for a lot of people who may not be familiar with the style. um but uh, black metal guy as always toss it to
1: you. uh what do you think of
0: this brutal death record?
1: yeah, so um i i am for some reason i'm i'm sort of surprised that this isn't a slam record, but um i think that is maybe Oh, you know what it is? That's because you mentioned a slam band in the notes. Maybe I, uh, and there's a lot of slams. Um, yeah. uh, what do I think of this? Well, I admit that um, my first take on this, which I was like, dude, like, this is great. Uh, and you know, it's not exactly my thing, uh, was slightly influenced by the fact that I was really tired and I just drank a beer and uh, just uh, had to mosh in my room. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that's a good sign for a brutal death record Yeah, no, so I, yeah, we'll get to that with my sample I, I think this actually is, um, yeah, it, it, it got an immediate response for me Like, I mean, when I when I went over it more, right, there's, it's like, sure, like, okay, yeah, this this is still like the kind of thing that's I'm not exactly going to throw on regularly However, um, what I like about it is that the parts that are normally least accessible to me are accessible to me um, oh, in in terms of uh, like, what parts do you mean? Uh well, you know, you know how I am about slams, right? Like, yeah. I get, I, I understand the slam, I respect the slam from a distance, and the same, you know, just as I, you know, I, I respect you, I respect the slam, right? <laughs> it's but like um, a
0: wild animal, best seen at a distance.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a like a rabid possum, um, and uh, it's um. And, there, you know, there's something about them, right? The whole point, I get it, is that it's supposed to be this sort of, it's not a breakdown, it's the sort of uh, indefinitely sustained abrasion, rhythmic abrasion, right? Uh, I like breakdowns, that's where my sense of chug comes from. Um, this band, without really sounding particularly hardcore-y, they play slams in a way that's closer to breakdowns that makes them a lot more legible to me, like physically. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, I can mosh to this or whatever. Um the production to me also hits a little more. This has the very modern sound, a lot of these bands. It has, you know, I don't know. I stopped using on this show this word on the show probably for a reason because it wasn't that great. But it has that mecha death quality. You know, where it's like, you know, this is clearly not old school death metal. This is clearly not raw death metal. uh, But it is not, um, nor does it have some sort of ambition to imitate the ulcerate stuff too closely at all. It just has a solid, heavy, brutal death production that has um, enough body in the chugs that, again, they sound to me more like hardcore chugs and i can okay. i can listen to that stuff without it um i i can listen to that stuff without like having to be like okay we're going to get through the slam now we're going to listen for the cool 16th note run or listen for the oscar ortega riff or whatever right mm-hmm. i can mm-hmm. see that
0: i think mm-hmm. that what you're hearing is kind of like i set up front this agglutinative property mm-hmm. of especially with younger guys these days um whose perspective of brutal death metal is not necessarily as caught up in certain distinctions as it used to be maybe yeah, when you yeah, yeah. coming up because for instance uh you know brutal death metal slam deathcore all of these things are constantly brushing up against each other and exchanging ideas uh beatdown mm-hmm. hardcore as well especially the very yeah, yeah, modern yeah. weird kinds
2: mm-hmm.
0: of it mm-hmm. so i think What's great about this band is like, for instance, you'll have these things that are reminiscent of hardcore or deathcore, but they're fully integrated into the whole. You know, there's mm-hmm. no sense that, oh, this is that part. No, it's, they like uh, work
1: like slams. Yeah. They just feel a little different.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh so well we'll go with a, a sample to show this off. So mm-hmm. um this is off a track called the Mayan disaster. By the way, the I, the the Indonesian band doing an entire record themed after Apocalypto is such a, a wonderful idea. <laughs> Mad, yeah,
1: yeah, I love that, dude. Um, great, Apocalypto, film. great film, great film, extremely underrated, mandatory viewing for all Terminators, my god. It's, it's a total, I mean, it's an extreme metal film, 100%. Abs. absolutely. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it's equally a black and death metal film. (laughs) Yes, there is also an
1: excellent Graveland song by that name on the latter-day record, Will Stronger Than Death. uh, uh, (laughs) Oh, there you go. If if you've ever wanted to hear Graveland with massive low-end chugs just going and going and going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, this is going to be off the uh, the middle of Mayan disaster towards Mm -hmm. the end, Um, and... I'm going to talk about some of the structural ideas here because so structurally a lot of these riff patterns are things you've heard before, uh, in other brutal death records that we've covered on the show. But I think what makes these guys special is they're really turning it into a platform for other bands to build off of. Um, Mm. so let's run it through and then I'll talk about like individual ideas in some of these riffs and structural ideas. a little bit on the show uh, when we've covered Brutal Death Records as well as I think I talked about a little bit when I did the interview with uh, Nikhil from Anal Stab Wound Mm -hmm. the idea that Brutal Death as a style is not caught up structurally in a lot of the issues the rest of the metal scene might have like for instance the idea of like a copied riff or an unoriginal riff Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's not really a thing in Brutal Death because my my big thesis is that nowadays Brutal Death is, m- operates a lot more like jazz music mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. it does the rest of the metal scene. So w- what these guys here do is they present a structure, a-, a certain sort of riff archetype or template that you can play with yourself. It's like, here's this riff form that's been established just over the past few years and now what do you want to do with it? And what do you change? Well, you, you switch up the rhythm a bit. Where is your kind of trilled kick drum pattern going to come in? What do you want your abstract arpeggio pattern to be? Uh, where are you going to place your pinch harmonics and pick scrapes? And I say this not to be backhanded like, oh, they're playing with generic ideas. I'm saying that we have a a, a musical vocabulary being established in real time right now. You know? mm mm-hmm. um, we've got certain riff patterns getting codified and established and presented to the audience in a way where, hey, you can do this too. Take these riffs, play with them, experiment Mm -hmm. with them. We have our own style that conveys our own mood, but you can do the same thing based on the thematic ideas and structural ideas that you want to. Um, so you'll have certain ideas that are a little bit older, like the cephalotripsy lattice work of slams thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's presented in a different way, one that's more so, accessible,
1: you know. So which was, how, which part there would you, uh, since we're really uh, zeroing in on this stuff, which part in that sample would you identify as lattice work of slams? Would it be the one they go from the four four slam to the sort of rolling six eight slam?
0: Uh, all the kind of abstract stuff in the middle, the jun, 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 yeah, jun. Yeah, dun, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's like several different variations or plays on that idea, which yeah. is a very cephalotripsy technique. It's like take this basic rhythmic or melodic outline and just mm-hmm. riff on it again, much in the way
1: that like a, a jazz musician would. Yeah. The, um, the triplet stuff was great. That was a great show. Oh yeah, it's, um, it, it,
0: it's wonderful. You know, they, these guys and, are embracing these structural just, ideas and I think it's great to and, hear.
1: And just because I think a lot of people actually who don't listen to Brutal Death and Slam now listen to your Brutal Death and Slam reviews. So just for those people, right? Back in the day, uh, cephalotripsy is one of the many things that we can crow I was right about, right? You've always championed them. They used to be despised, is that right? Um, To people outside of Slam, yeah. And yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now
0: people mm-hmm. realize, oh my God, these guys were geniuses, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 And now, so now like, like Brutal Death people who would have said, oh, this is so fucking dumb. Like, I, this is like why I hate slam are now using it.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they came up with so many kind of musical techniques and ideas on their one record that you, I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, it's infiltrated everything in Brutal Death Metal now.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I like what you're saying about the jazz thing. Yeah, you've talked about it with the combo format, but yeah, it does also seem to be true with the way they're sort of like trading, they have these modular interchangeable licks and they're trading them all over, right? Yeah, um sort of like I, when,
0: you, uh, when you mentioned Oscar Ortega, you know, Oscar mm-hmm. has a very distinct structural quality to his riffing, which is mm-hmm. basically unchanged between the
1: different bands that he's yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: but the surrounding context gives them new
1: color. Yeah, it's just like, oh shit, we got uh, you know, yeah, we got Miles Davis sitting now on the session, right? Um, exactly. And yeah. <laughs> and you know, um a thing relate like what was I was going to say related to that. Um that's also that jazz mentality is also part of very old metal musiciany attitude.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so back when metal had not fully sep I mean, I, th- I think we've I think this was best for the best in a lot of ways, but back before metal had fully separated itself off from, you know, rock and the cult of guitar heroism and blah blah blah. So I was listening to an interview on uh an interview with the Angel Witch guitarist, because I've been obsessed with Angel Witch or not Angel Witch, my god, sorry. Uh Diamond Head, who are far better. I've been obsessed with <laughs> Diamond Head lately. Um and I was listening to an interview with that guy by the fucking dude from Machine Head. So, interview is kind of whatever, but the the answers are great, right? Uh and the um he was talking about how he wrote uh Am I Evil and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> right, that's basically like one of the original extreme metal riffs, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a
0: it's a Celtic Frost riff basically.
1: Exactly. It it already has Celtic Frost in it. The only other people doing anything that nasty at that time would have been like Discharge, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, Motorhead just sort of picking up on it. Um, uh, And so, you know, that's obviously also one of the most lizard brain knuckle-dragging riffs ever, right? And so he has that in like this split second of reptilian illumination. And then (laughs) he spends a year working on the song and he writes out the chords under the solo, and he said, when I was writing the solo, like I, like, I figured, oh, you can't, you don't just, like, noodle it out. Like, he wrote, he tried to figure out what he wanted to do, and he said, I, like, added a lick from, I added a lick from Jimi Hendrix, I added a lick from, like, like Van Halen, I added a lick here, lick there, um, and he had this, like, rotating chord progression under it, and uh, all this, the song sounds effortless, right, and it preserves mm-hmm. the effortlessness of the original riff, but, like, it was all, a lot of what happens in it is this very, you would, you know, as you would say, craftsman-like, you know, mm-hmm. musician yep. know-how. Like, I know where I'm getting this and I'm going to use it like this. Here's 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 these licks and I'm going to make my solo out of them.
2: Yeah, that
0: makes sense. And I, I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the same kind of energy is mm-hmm. uh, being found in Brutal Death now. Everyone's kind of accepting, yeah, we're all like trading with each other. It's, you know, it's it's almost like a community effort. It's like, we're not so concerned about what this project is or yeah. that project is it's about growing the style as a whole
1: yeah i think if the whole sort of Seigneur veland mutilation worship scene could get a little more like that it would probably help it grow you know what i mean
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you, you, you break past some of this shit <laughs> you break
1: past the yeah you keep the you keep the frankness about influence but you break past the sort of uh, worship project concept anyway um Forecasting Ruination. Here is an example of the connection to hardcore. Um, especially, I feel like uh, early 2000s metalcore, like 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 the the, the real shit. But still, like yeah. early 2000s metallic hardcore. Uh, forecasting Ruination. can do the lawn sprinkler to those <laughs> uh, you know or the uh you know you got your your one hand guarding your nose and your other hand doing you know sort of uh, uh you know, <laughs> Just doing big circles um
0: flinging around any which way <laughs> exa-
1: exactly yeah do do my karate kicks nah, I was never a karate kick guy um but um you know like it's it, like the rhythm quality to that is like Metallic hardcore when it had the rolling double bass thing. Right. Yeah. Beatdown, the, the sort of modern metallic hardcore thing, the beatdown thing, is on one hand structured around older hardcore sensibility and sort of shit from hip hop and from extreme metal, right? So the beatdowns are a lot more syncopated, right?
0: Yeah. But well, in, it's like in the early
1: time. 2000s, it was enough to just go right? And it was pretty good. What we now think of as, like, bolt thrower riffs, you know? True, true, yeah, and the bolt thrower came in and beat down in a different way. Um, Yeah, that's right. Uh, Like, um, and for a lot of them, it was just related to, like, half-timing Slayer. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, that is true. You've talked about
0: the uh, cargo shorts, uh, Slayer shirt hardcore scene.
1: Exactly, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know all these men super, you know, like, I wasn't I don't know back then what did I listen to maybe I'd heard of Converge right but um, mm-hmm. you know like you know like All Out War or something is a classic example of that, that I know but like you know it's a Slayer and like At the Gates right so yeah. a band I think of when I think of that style is Heaven Shall Burn right who I will Always have a soft spot for. Right? Defend to the death.
3: <laughs> Defend heaven toward.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um uh, and, and they have you know, they've got these like massive mellow death riffs over just like rolling double bass chuck. I mean, I'm sure they listened to or I think there's like I think they're probably wearing Boltur shirts. But like I think
0: they've I think they've mentioned it
1: in interviews that yeah, it's one of nobody, the influences. Yeah, I think the early shit sounds a lot like that, but nobody talked about it back then. So mm-hmm. um yeah, so, like, basically, it has this rolling double bass, windmill mosh, uh, studded belt kind of thing that, um, and, like, even the really, you know, uh, even the big staggering riff at the end continues that momentum. The double bass continues under it, and you could imagine, like, a normal metalhead headbanging to it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there is a like a hidden... a non-slammer. <laughs> Headbang to it, <laughs> <laughs>
0: fucking normie
1: metalheads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. You and your fucking Batushka shirt or whatever. No, but uh, I, okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think I think we we like to keep it a tier above Batushka shirt here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. but uh,
0: no, I get what you mean because there is a a, a quiet accessibility to this record. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that that has to do with you know finding the center of so many of these ideas. Uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't progress. <laughs> this is full spectrum, brutal death metal.
2: You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it doesn't proceed too far into any one niche to, uh, become just like completely unpalatable. Like regular death metal people can listen to this, you know?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we'll see. we will we'll, you know, our, I think our listeners are a good test, test focus group for that. <laughs> um, uh, in sort of terms of regular death metal fans who've been progressively desensitized to music like this. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, speaking of desensitization, nothing will desensitize you like having your heart cut out and having your body thrown down the steps of a pyramid. So, now we are <laughs> on to uh, Temple of Sacrifice, Um and, you know, you mentioned the ulcerate stuff as now being conventional, right? That was even in your sample, right? Sick breakdown with an ulcerate riff in it. Um, oh, yeah. That's been fully integrated yeah. into Brutal Death now. So we're going to start with one of those. Um, but even that part, like, you you mentioned Behemoth on here. I think that's for sure a big influence in kind of those sounding parts, too. Uh, yeah. But I think it reminds me of, and sure, I'm totally biased by the cover art, but that's kind of fair game for setting atmosphere. Reminds me of like the Zibalba version of Aztec vibes. Right. Yeah. So uh we fucking we obviously, you know, yeah, we've geeked about that band enough, but um like Ultimate Modern Beatdown Band. But um so they they have this great song, Never Kneel, that's written from the perspective of, you know, an Aztec warrior watching his civilization fall and refusing to convert, right? Um yeah. and, you know, uh and you know that song is like way more atmospheric than anything else on that record uh and this th- th- there's just a little bit of an atmos, little bit of a gesture towards that here and in, in, the, in the way some of these more colorful riffs sound so let's start that on temple of sacrifice At the end, you know, yeah. right, um, yeah, we were, yeah, so that has, um, they use throw in these octaves occasionally, right? And I'm sure that's what had you thinking of Behemoth, right? Um, oh yeah,
0: I mean that's that's yeah.
1: definitely a big part of it.
0: They're they're using yeah. these kind of like when they do these like slowed down more epic riffs, they're doing mm-hmm. all that same sort of like vast Phrygian stuff that Behemoth traded in for like, five albums.
1: Yeah, in the notes I have sinuous octaves. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um... Uh, well, you see, but, well, it's
0: funny because you're, like, the one guy who hasn't
1: listened to Demigod, right? <laughs> God, that's probably true. And I think of myself as liking Behemoth, too. It's just, like, I always... For, to me, it's, like, listen to at the bar music, and because I don't listen to Behemoth, I always forget to put it on oh yeah um, no you'd probably it's it's a, it, I mean, it's a, <laughs> I'm in a paradox here right um yeah
0: I know what you mean no Demigod's yeah. a great album man like, I, you'd probably find it. a
1: lot to enjoy in it dude I mean I've been in a pretty ignorant mood lately like it's been great listening to less um you know over the break especially but even before that it's been great listening to less sort of uh lockjaw you know death rictus uh hero dev <laughs> music right you know uh a little less pagan hellfire, right? A little more high on fire. Um, and so I will definitely check out Behemoth. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I, but basically it's like they're using these sinuous octaves, TM, to connote like this Aztec vibe, right? And I, it probably comes from this sort of like, you know, they're drawing a Behemoth, drawing a Morbid Angel. Uh, and those are kind of like go-tos for ancient with pyramids. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) But but they're using it to specifically create this Aztec vibe. And, you know, Zibalba is kind of doing that too. Like, I'm sure they were listening to Morbid Angel Behemoth. Probably also Neurosis for them. But, Mm -hmm. like, they're fixing on this certain kind of massive, hollow-sounding riff with these Phrygian scales. Um, and, And what they all do to define this Aztec sound is kind of strip away the parts that sound vaguely Middle Eastern. Right? That's true, so you, yeah. You don't get any... It's sinuous, but you don't get any snake charmer shit, right? Mm-hmm. And if anything, the dissonant intervals are more emphasized. Um, yeah, it's more rigorous. Yeah, ex- yeah, harsher, more sort of dissonant slides, more um... You know, yeah, I mean, you know, we've sentimentalized the shit out of the Egyptians, but it's hard to sentimentalize the shit out of the Aztecs, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so you get this kind of, um... What's cool about that, I mean, obviously this is just me as a brutal death person talking about whatever I can contribute, a non-brutal death person talking about what I can contribute, but I think there's kind of a conventional vocabulary, it's kind of what you were saying about the riff style, there's an, in terms of atmosphere, there's a conventionalized vocabulary emerging for Aztec and presumably Mayan and other kind of like, you know, Mexican, Central American uh, pyramid dude kind of things. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. I got that. Now we just need the uh the
1: Incan summoning style record and we'll be done. You know there was a de- there was a pretty good Incan Black Death band a while ago. If it wasn't oh man, when specific I think of,
0: When yeah. I think of Incan, I think of just like trundling like South American summoning. You know, cuz the Incans weren't weren't super violent compared to the Mayans or the Aztecs.
1: Uh they carried around the mummies of their rulers um on uh on what, what's the word? Uh, the things that you hold with the uh, how am I forgetting this? Um, you know when you carry the king around on a chair. Oh, and, like a like a litter. Yeah. Yeah, they would have succession wars, and in those, different clans would carry around their uh, ancestral rulers' mummies on litters while they fought. So they were still pretty lit. The, um, oh
0: no, they were very lit, just in a different way. They weren't
1: they slicing did. people's <laughs> hearts out. <laughs> so. Maybe a little bit less hated by their neighbors. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I uh, no, I, I definitely get what you mean. There is a, a an idea being established for how do we uh, how do we express these certain ideas and these motifs melodically, uh, which I think is really cool because, like, yeah. I, you know, I, I've talked about it on the show a lot the idea that. You know, South American music or South American styled music uh, is still finding its place in extreme metal. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what does it mean? And how do you signify this without just resorting to the lowest common denominator? And I think these guys are, despite being Indonesian, pushing that forward. Yeah. All right. So, last sample let's go to Ruthless Nation Perished. Um,. This is a sick fucking song. Uh, So something I've noticed with the Southeast Asian brutal death groups is um, they're doing a lot of riff work that basically updates old school U.S. death metal forms into something contemporary, but they're not really changing the melodic underpinnings of it. So like you said, a lot of these riffs, if you, you slow them down, you play them a little bit more loosely, uh, and they're kind of like morbid angel riffs or like old cannibal corpse riffs, stuff like that. But now they're in this very rigid, modern, brutal death framework. Um, so they sound completely different, even though I think if you play this record at like 75% speed, you start hearing a lot more old school death metal come out. So uh, right. let's listen to this track. Uh, it, it's going to be most of it, really, because there's a, mm. a big sample at the end. Um and uh, let's try to identify some of those points of commonality with, uh, with old school death metal. so there's uh, a couple interesting points specifically in this sample so that 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 opening slow kind of epic riff is very like a gateways gateways to annihilation by morbid angel but then later on you get into the dun 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 dun
4: that's a
0: that's a very um it's weird to say it's that's now mid-era Cannibal Corpse, not newer, mm-hmm. but that's like uh, Wretched Spawn or Kill era Cannibal Corpse. You're hearing right there. You know they they're still going very fast. They're still going very rigorously, but there's a little bit more room to breathe for these bigger sort of melodic fills that pop in. Um, so you make that a little more mechanized. You make that a little bit tighter. And then the result naturally is something like this, Um, which I think is really cool. You know, they're finding these subtle ways to update these old classic ideas that have been iterated on for, you know, 30 plus years in death metal now, Um, but they still sound fresh. They still sound youthful. They still sound contemporary and exciting. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest strengths of this record. They're, they're playing with old tools, but they're making them sound new again.
1: Yeah, so I definitely heard the Morbid Angel at the beginning. Um, also, definitely an important part of this, yeah, big, scronky octave thing. Um, uh, and, you know, a, a thing you say in the notes is rhythmically uncompromising, uh, right? It's sort of, yeah. you're taking these old school things that are more linked to a I mean, it's, it's all relative terms, right? But the sort of, uh, the more open rhythmic frameworks of old death metal and hardcore and whatever, right? Mm. Uh, and putting them in this sort of, uh, deliberately rigid structures. Um, that's an impression I got from this album all the time, too, is that it's like a, uh you know it's like a massive you know you we on one of the first episodes of terminus we talked about the black metal death metal distinction in terms of like uh you know impulse or drive versus like matter mhm um yeah this really feels like just like a big block of metal like sort of resonating at these sort of impossible frequencies right the whole thing is just sort of like vibrating and like kind of kind of twitching but it's not it's not collapsing yet but it's this massive block of metal that somehow moves um, and it is it succeeds in being very impenetrable but in a way that's different from I think the most impenetrable uh, brutal death record you've had on which is The Exterminated right? Yeah, yeah The Exterminated is like muddy, you know, it's like blood you know, blood streaked mud, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, <laughs> and um and, and sort of it's how it's horrifying in that it has that sort of horrifying consistency to it um this is sort of um this is like you know that that's enveloping and squishy and floppy and disgusting ways this is sort of like uh implacable but in ways that kind of i think should appeal to just people who like heavy stuff
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, it's like the uh, like the steps of the pyramid on the cover. It's angular, it's concrete and uh, detailed.
1: section break with Hellstrike by Hellstrike. That is uh, the album title is two words. The band name is one word. I like this approach. Um, And this is out now on Chaos Records, which is a Mexican label that I have not heard of before really at all, I don't think. Have you?
0: Uh, Not really. I did a little bit of research. Looks like it's uh, mostly a regional thing. Uh, Just lots of local kind of Mexican bands on it.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, like, they distribute digital or stuff of certain other bands. It looks like they've done some shit for Temple of Void, who are great, and some stuff for... Yeah, I mean, yeah, on the band camp, just, like, yeah, a lot of good bands. Uh, Temple of Void, Bastard Priest, um, mm-hmm. Mephitis, actually. They did shit for Mephitis. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, so, anyway. All right, it, label we'll have to look into more. Um, but, uh, this is a... Uh, how did I find this? Okay, gonna be honest. We were trying to re, you know, we were like getting ready to come back from break, and it's kind of like, what even is bands? And so I looked <laughs> in, the, in the pro, I said, I'm gonna go look at the promos and see what looks cool. Um, and I found this, and uh, I was quite happy about it. This is something that is, um, like you know, I think on the show, I'm way more into this than the death metal guy. This is this, this sort of. It's closest to war metal, but for a variety of technical but important reasons, I think kind of isn't, but it's like that kind of arrogant thrash stuff, uh, you know, the kind of rollicking, this kind of Ares Kingdom type or, you know, Gospel of the Horns type stuff or Prezier did this with that sort of crisp, (laughs) thin guitar tone. Um, it's also, uh you know, kind of like this sort of morbid angel school war metal I really like, like Scythian, which, you know, these these things all kind of converge, right? Or like Angel Corpse and shit like that. All these bands that have this, sound pretty damn war metal but have a different, uh, very different approach to what the Black Death Fusion is supposed to sound like. Early Spearhead, this reminds me of a lot. Um, uh, I say early, I guess I just mean like pre-reunion. Um, but, um... But yeah, but but at the same time, it's drawing on... Those bands all go for a kind of like, in some ways, kind of a deliberately reductive approach to influence. Um, This band is going for some deep cuts in black and death metal, and the atmosphere is substantially different, largely because it's not just devoted to either uh, sort of um, nonstop throwing these really fancy riffs at you, or kind and or uh just bludgeoning you over the head with this kind of razor riffing right um Mm. uh there's a lot of you know you were talking about narrative right with the uh with the lycaon um these songs feel kind of expansive um they're simple songs but different things happen in them and the songs are different like you could really be like they're like uh, you know I mean how many tracks on this record it's like we got um yeah, it's
0: just six tracks yeah
1: yeah six tracks so like I'd say like four of those are uh you know at least to me are like record those tracks where I could be like this is the track with this riff this is the track with that riff right which is you know pretty pretty good for for six tracks uh two-thirds um so and 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 you know riffs that make them stand out from each other um And yeah, just at at times you get more of this sort of journey, adventure, um, expanse quality. Uh, And it's got this deliberately thin guitar sound that emphasizes the sheer contour of the riffs themselves, sort of like thin and a little distant. Um, Prezir did that. Uh, Who else have we had on the show that does that? Um, Yeah, whatever. Um, But, um, it's, oh yeah, and also like a relevant band for this, this will segue into what you got to say about this, in terms of that deliberately distanced production, uh, the chasm, right, who Brazier mentioned as an influence, um, and I feel like you know more about this whole neck of the woods than I do, uh, what is the actual social context this comes out of?
0: (sighs) Honestly, like very slightly more than you do, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, So, well, one thing I'd I'd like to rewind a little bit, and I think that a lot of the stuff you're describing, Mm -hmm. I think you would find a lot to love in a lot of stuff that was coming out in death metal around, like, 91. Just not even, Mm -hmm. like, super deep cut stuff, but just, like, a little bit off the beaten path, like, uh, for instance, like, uh, Resurrection's Embalmed Existence. You know, that's Mm. the kind of record you might like. Or even uh, some of the lesser appreciated suffocation stuff, like Breeding the Spawn. You know, this kind of Mm -hmm. remote, kind of alien narrative songwriting. There's a lot of that back there. It's just been kind of forgotten, apart from Mm. by people who are really into old school death metal. Um, But in terms of immediate influences, I have to kind of go out on a limb. Um, So, like I said in the... uh, the roundup at the beginning of the show. Uh, So two of the members of this band are from Mexico. They were affiliated with a pretty old Mexican death metal band called blood soaked, who I unfortunately Mm -hmm. haven't heard. And it seems like they relocated to the Pacific Northwest, brought a couple more people on and started this new band. Um, And what I'm guessing is that a lot of this probably has something to do with very old Mexican death metal. Because Mm -hmm. there's things outside of that I could compare this to, um, Morbid Angel, especially very old Morbid Angel, maybe, like, even Abominations of Desolation Mm -hmm. would be uh, a big influence here, um, as well as some Swedish stuff, I, I want to throw out Necrophobic, even though it's been forever since I've listened to them.
1: No, no, that, um, that makes sense. Um, the, the promo said some stuff about that, but like that's one thing that makes it a little different from War Metal, too, is like, yeah, they met, promo mentioned Grotesque, right? Which is the pre-At-The-Gate, oh, okay, yeah. the, the pre-At-The-Gates band, yeah, that's just well, yeah. really sort of deathy Black Death that's just really riffy and frantic, and the early Necrophobic stuff, too, for sure.
0: Yeah, so, but where I was going was, I, I think this has a lot to do with like originating Mexican death metal, which I'm unfortunately just not that familiar with. I, I know the names, but I haven't listened to them a whole lot. So, we're going to be looking at the very early work by The Chasm, as you mentioned, as well as stuff like uh, Shubnigaroth and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Cenotaph from Mexico, not to be confused with the Turkish Cenotaph, or the other eight bands named Cenotaph. (laughs) uh, So all of those bands were very crucial to early 90s Mexican death metal, and uh, they still have a lot of fans to this day, but unfortunately, I've just kind of slid by them over the years, and this makes me interested to to go back to that and uh, see if I can trace some of the influences there. But in terms of uh, stuff that we've covered on the show, what I would compare it to... um, uh, one that immediately comes to mind would be the uh, Conjureth record that we covered uh, a little while back, mm-hmm. um, as well as the uh, Forgotten Tomb Chili record that we covered last year. In terms of accessing this sort of primordial Black Death thrash thing, that seems to be getting more and more popular as time goes on. So, um, we're going to go to your sample? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I can play a song. <laughs> right? so uh, mm-hmm. I've got the first two samples on this one, and it's sort of a, a mix-and-match thing. So obviously mm-hmm. this kind of thing is a little bit outside my wheelhouse. So first sample is something I don't really like, and the second sample is something I really like a lot. Um, so the first sample is going to be off the end, uh, the mid-to-end of Chains of Frost. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously this band is very dedicated to to the old school, uh, very dedicated to embracing their influences, but there's certain times on the record where I feel like it just goes a little bit too far in that direction. And it's like, okay, I, I I know the passage that you're doing right now. And it kind of takes me out of the moment. Um, so we'll listen to that and then I'll get into the side of this band that I think is actually really excellent.
4: Position. No one can hold a grip we to the Lord Heaven is too late Business of the dead you In fact, voices Into the clocks of your silent memories The crown of fury, savior, in a place Dipper than the man, every raider, into A gold winter comes with a frozen beard Matchless cosmic
0: illness <laughs> All right, so uh, I I basically like most of the stuff in that sample, but obviously the thing that I have to point out is the Slayer tribute right in the middle of that.
1: <laughs> oh, I yeah, my brain completely deleted that. Uh, <laughs> uh, as, as it went through, I was like, oh my god. I um. mean,
0: you know, I I like Slayer as much as the next guy. You know, I like Slayer a lot. I have a Rain and Blood shirt in my closet that I wear mm. regularly. But at a certain point, it's just, it's a little too on the nose. And the problem with it being so on the nose isn't necessarily that I resent that in and of itself. It's that you've got these very narrative kind of songs mm-hmm. and then that takes me out of it. Like that, yeah, um, yeah. that kind of kills my suspension of disbelief within the song, you know?
1: Yeah. Also, it's not like, um, I don't know, like, um, um. I feel like 15 years, like when we were, when I was like first listening to metal and shit, a gesture like that in a certain context might not have been, uh, might not have gone amiss because certain kinds of old school stuff had lower status or whatever, right? Um, depending on exactly what micro niche you're doing, right? Maybe like a death metal band doing that or something. But um, if you're going to do a Slayer quote from Rain and Blood, you need to make it a deep cut. Yeah, you can't um, you like, can't play, play, do
0: like just Angel of Death plus Raining Blood mashed though, together which, <laughs> which
1: which as we've discussed are inessential to the album. Um
0: yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah,
1: those are those are tasty bonuses at the beginning and the end. Obviously the best song is Altar of Sacrifice. Um but uh it's um it, you know like yeah, I I get what you mean. It Definitely throws you out of it because that's like that's like the riff
0: well yeah, and it, it's it's so strangely placed because everything around it you can hear like if they literally deleted that D- segment, yeah, it would all yeah.
1: make sense. Because yeah. those riffs I mean, lead into and out of each other yeah. perfectly. The funny thing is you said the slayer thing and it primed me to hear that even in the initial blast trem riff. And like, you know, like that's a decent riff, but it's definitely not one of the ones I really remember this record for. And it is in fact that riff at the beginning. Da 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 is a lot like a more drawn-out tonal, in terms of the guitar tone, too, right? A lot mm-hmm. like, kind of like a more a little clip more drawn-out from one of the middle tracks on Rain and Blood.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. honestly, I guess, one of the things is, like, literally... I think this is a thing with most of the records we're covering on the show. Mm-hmm. All of them seem to open up at the end. Because mm-hmm. my feeling with the Hellstrike record is the first two tracks in particular... I feel like are far weaker than the last four. I, I they go on a really
1: great run on the last four tracks. I think I agree. Yeah, uh, this is. I think our impression, collective impression of this, is that this is a band figuring out what their thing is, finding, um, finding their center sonically. Um, I quite like. I quite like this, but it's mm-hmm. um, like. It definitely hasn't totally coalesced yet. And I do have this feeling when I listen through it that certain parts just go by me. And then there are these, on the last four tracks, there are these massive riffs that I can just point to and be like, this song is sick because of this. This song is sick because of that. Oh yeah, Um, I I agree. No, I I think that...
0: it's kind of strange, I, I, I think that it was like the first couple tracks have these like notable quotations on them mm-hmm, to kind of mm-hmm. get people hooked, but the meat of this album is in the last two-thirds. Uh, the last four tracks are where this band really comes into its own. So to kind of illustrate that, we're gonna go from the end of uh, uh, from the end of Chains of Frost directly into the following track, the opening of First Born of Fire. And then here, it's like, okay, this all makes sense to me now. Mm -hmm, Um, Because here's where some of the black metal influence starts to creep in. Um, Because I think that uh, one of the things that wasn't mentioned at the top is I think there's a lot of dissection on this. Um, Because there is a lot of just straight heavy metal. And as we always said, dissection is at its best when it's Metallica, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Best and worst, but you know, whatever.
1: You know, without yeah, yeah. getting
0: too in the weeds on it. So we go to First basically dissection
1: Fighter. is Metallica.
0: <laughs> yes, especially on Re and Chaos, um, mm-hmm. the best dissection album. <laughs> <laughs> we have to mention that every like five episodes. Uh, I dis I disavow. Um. It's been critically rehabilitated. All right. Anyway, so. Here on Firstborn of Fire, you're going to hear stuff that kind of sounds like Dissection or Immortal, and what it really sounds like compared to stuff we've covered on the show is the uh, the Thosaiella record that we mm-hmm, covered mm-hmm. Uh, a couple months back. This is kind but, of like Thosaiella, yeah, yeah, but with a little bit less of the like crazy guitar flash that he mm-hmm. brought to that project. So let's just yeah, let's let's kick it in. Let's listen to the opening of Firstborn of Fire. <laughs> So I really I really love this main riff, and uh, I mm-hmm. like the way it kind of slowly leads into it. I mean, usually in kind of a death metal song, I'm, I'm not too into the slow intro into the track, but here they really mm-hmm. nail it. And then when that main riff kicks in, it's like I described it, it's kind of dissection or immortal, but it's also extremely death metal. It's, uh, it's kind of that pagan death metal thing you were talking about. Um but I'm guessing you probably have reference points for this better than I do cuz I'm not sure what to attribute this to in particular.
1: Yeah, so um da, 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 da. yeah, this is the sort of like the thin tram riff, right? Um uh you know, like that definitely falls pretty squarely in the wheelhouse of that sort of arrogant thrash kind of um uh more heroic war metal thing. Um Uh, you know, I mean, I think formative band for that particular style is obviously Argoslunt, um, Mm -hmm. which is at least proximate to some of the things these guys are listening to, right? The Chasm also has a similar emphasis on riff structure over making your stuff really loud. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, um, that, you know, something, some shit like that, right, uh, but also, um, yeah, I mean, like, with to me, you know, the funny thing is, to me, like, that's a great riff, but to me, the center of gravity, there is the slow part before it. Dumb. Oh, that's interesting. Dum. dumb, Dum. da-dumb, Dum. 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 dumb, Dum. 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 dumb, 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 dumb,
2: dumb,
0: distant connection to Triumph of Death that you're always
1: looking for. (laughs) Yeah, true, yes. No, there's a lot of... Yeah, I'll get to that on my sample. There's a lot of subtle sort of Celtic Frost, or even not so subtle, Celtic Frost, Hellhammer stuff. But that riff also has, like, that big pentatonic chest-thumping feel. And that stuff connects to the... For sure to this sort of, like, um, war metal, kind of like, you know, uh, riff-oriented war metal thing. Um you know oh well you know i y- you know like yeah also Ares kingdom is a really good reference point for that uh they have a yeah. beefy guitar tone but it's like still thrashy and crisp um but um but like uh but it also has that frosty thing and it has this very um deliberately wonderfully brainless quality to it, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, there's, you know, this part in uh, School of Rock where Jack Black raises his pick and he's like, uh, you know, now raise your goblet of rock, right? (laughs) Um, And uh, it's got that, and that, like, makes me think, like, where this is really at is more this nebulous idea of, like, barbarian death metal, which overlaps with the war metal thing for sure, right? These are both barbarian death metal is an even sillier and more nebulous term than war metal, right? I don't yeah. know what it means yet. I've just been using it on the show, right? But like something like the Azath record from last year that I like listened to obsessively for two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. It does war metal-y things, but it really kind of feels like a death metal record. Um, yeah. And uh, it doesn't have some of the kinds of color you'd expect or the black metal flourishes. Uh, it's... Um, but the atmosphere is unmistakably sort of like hitting things over the head with axes, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that ties into this whole sort of loose family of bands that don't necessarily sound, even sound that like each other, right? Azath doesn't sound like the number one band for this, which is Celtic Frost, right? As Cromleck said in that interview, right? Celtic Frost mm-hmm. is like a... Uh, um sort of like their ultimate version of Conan the Barbarian music. Yeah. And you know, they've got some good swords photo shoots, but I never really thought of that, and that's a good point. Um, uh, And you know, then there are all these bands following in that vein: Divine Eve, Crimson Relic, kind of the same band. Uh, And you know how I always like to do a shout out to the best uh, raw 80s style death metal band of the 2000s, which is High on Fire. Um, (laughs) Right? So like, this sort of like it it evokes these like this band doesn't influenced by high on fire right but the same kind of like uh robert e howard vastness right like um uh all of these bands often operate at like ripping brutal intensity but they've also got this sense of scope and grandeur and they also all sound just a little more like death metal like yeah. primitive bone dry death metal than like you know having these certain kinds of elaborate textural or black metal flourishes or these you know whatever they get the pagan melodies just by playing like elemental dorian pentatonic sort of just warrior riffs right yeah Mm. so on that note um morbid abnormality of the ages so the funny thing is that i think well here's the characteristic thing about the style The barbarian feel persists even on the dissonant riffs. It's not just this kind of pagan black metal type thing where the atmosphere is maybe all too often formed just from these glorious heroic riffs, right? So um, this is a very short track. It's like two minutes and 23 seconds. We might as well listen to the whole thing. I mean, it's just a couple riffs happening over and over again, Um, but I like it a lot. And it's a really good use of 80s style extreme dissonance in a more modern context that somehow doesn't sound evil or uh, avant or any of the things we associate now conventionally with really dissonant riffin. It just sounds barbaric. Pain is the only truth. Life is
4: the as the unknown in of there's a road ahead for you to take. The guns are moving off the forces. You wake up to ashes. We are the dissidents, the fragile, the brave, Strange days. The morning of redemption Who will be the next one? It's alive in the silver With all you agitated. and you time The smell of fear and feel the fear sorrow, pain Yes! <laughs>
1: the end was i want to hear more of that <laughs> <laughs> he just goes no, that seamless seamlessly from fry to like a howl
0: no that's that's really good and that's uh the kind of track where the uh sort of like forgotten tomb chili thing really struck me you know mm-hmm. this 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 melange of primordial extreme metal it really comes out on this track in particular i think
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You could hear how, like, there were... The only sort of, like, conventionally epic-sounding thing was just this sort of, like, hyper... Very abbreviated, almost fragmentary bridge riff in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. And other than that, we hear... And that's one of those kind of, like, smear or gesture riffs you talk about. Um, Yeah. uh, And here what they're doing is... That's blues intervals, Right? Yeah. Yeah. They they're are. just using it they're it's with just the choice of intervals and the speed and pacing. Uh they're just making it sound as disgusting as possible. Obviously that technique was first really like motorhead, discharge, um, am I evil? Right? Mm-hmm. But um but like and then you know, um some of that survives in weird ways into frost, although not so much. Um but uh you know, that wouldn't be out of place on any 80s death metal album really, right? Um, you know, the other thing, like, you know, oh, I guess, you know, just the fact that this is called Hellstrike means they probably like Deathstrike, right? But um oh, well,
0: I I was thinking while that was playing, you know, if you're into this, I've got a whole list of old <laughs> kind of like C-tier death metal records mm-hmm. that Hey, I'm Hey, Deathstrike is
1: great. Um, no, but, but uh,
0: in terms of popularity, not in quality. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, this doesn't
1: really sound like Death Strike. It's not like D-beat driven. It's not uh, It's not repetitive in the same way. It's not power chord based. But that's another band. And that band thematically isn't really barbarian death metal. But musically it's doing very similar things. Right? Um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, another cool thing about that is that that breakdown. I can't even hum it. They're doing like a trill on that initial palm mute. Da, 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 that's like a thing you wouldn't hear in the 80s. That's like a kind of yeah. like, I mean, we're always going to think of hardcore when we hear something that sort of dense and syncopated. I bet that's not really where it's coming from them. It probably has more to do with the bouncy quality and some of that, you know, arrogant thrash war metal stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, Celtic Frost is almost there, right? And it just takes that and condenses it more. That is so cool. I really like that part.
0: Yeah, or it's even it might even be associated with like some of the really retarded stuff in early Deicide or something.
1: Yeah, or maybe I mean you'd know better than me. Uh this is just a thing that I've heard a few times, the Baphomet record.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, the Baphomet record. Yeah, I mean this would oh, be Baphomet well, you know, I mean, it, played at 150% it, speed, but yeah. I mean
1: it has it, got it's got kind of the jump to fuck up quality you get in like prophecy of doom or deviated instinct but i don't think those guys could pick that fast yeah (laughs) what if we
0: take old school death metal ideas but just play them better and it transforms (laughs) them completely yeah yeah
1: so um all right so we're on um now my my last sample uh this is a really good example of this band at their most soaring and melodic uh like the death metal guy's favorite riff on first born of fire um the great thing about this song... Well, first of all, the title is it's called Re-Abortion. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll leave you to figure out how that works. Um, uh, the Also, the song seems like it's structured in kind of like a... Not in a... I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know how like in a piece of classical music, there will be like musical jokes or a jazz yeah. a jazz musician will throw in some lick in a funny way. The Slayer reference is kind of like that. It's probably a joke, right? I mean, it does yeah. kind of under, it doesn't really land there. I think this is a bit of a musical joke that lands. Like, basically the entire song is just two great riffs, stops, starts again. Um, So. Well, yeah, uh, because you
0: have to abort and then you have to reabort.
1: blast riff, right, is um, yeah. just... I mean, to me, that's like the best tremor riff on the record. The one you had was sick too, but I really like this one. Um,
0: yeah, uh, no, I... After listening to this again, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this EP. When I first mm-hmm. listened to it, I was like, I would definitely check out a full length, but this one, mm-hmm. like, I was like, okay, you know, I don't know how into it. I'm. Listening to it again, I like it more, but I, I think I'm starting to realize... I, I might like these guys more as a black metal band.
1: No, I I know what you mean. Like, I mean, those slayery aspects of the first songs don't really land. Uh, if it was just, I mean, you know, I, probably, I mean, presumably we're missing the elephant in the room. It's been a long time since I've gone back and listened to that grotesque EP. I sort of thought of it more as a historical curiosity back in the day, but I probably really like it now. So mm-hmm. I imagine some of those kinds of spindly sinister leads are maybe coming from the hat. Because um, mm-hmm. it really is an album that like uh kind of like Necrovore or whatever, it's just like, well, this could be any number of things as we define them now, right? Yeah. Um, uh But um and it sound unlike Necrovore, it sounds very crisp, right? Um, but the uh but like yeah, they really shine on these sort those sorts of um sort of severe, elaborate melodies, right? Just cut out of single-string trem and on the ignorant Celtic Frost passages.
0: Well, yeah, and and you talking about grotesque makes me think of other stuff this might be related to. Some sort of, like, deep-cut, like, proto-melodeath shit, like, uh, Mm -hmm. like a creep mime or a liars in wait. Uh, I can hear some of that sort of thing on here, especially in those very melodic riffs. Yeah, so
1: it's like, oh, I think I remember Liars in Wait. That's a yeah. good band. Yeah. One EP,
0: um, Spiritually Uncontrolled Art.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, no, I've, 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 like, checked it out. I meant to listen more. So, um, so, like, cool thing is that the second of those sequences is not the same as the first, right, of those big riff mm-hmm. sections. It develops the... Mo- There's, like, develop... The funny thing is, this is a band that makes the most deliberately primitive songs, but understands the things that, like, Chasm fans understand about songwriting. Right? Mm -hmm. So the second, like, um, the the first riff sort of is the defining riff. That second blasting sequence sort of develops it. Uh, And um, they do a cool thing here, which is that, I mean, it's great in this barbarian death metal or war metal stuff. Um, It's also really important in pagan black metal, and people should do it more, which is how do you sort of suggest organic folk song or string instrument without using cliche signposts for this or even without necessarily directly imitating it, right? Um, So like in that sort of elaborate second section, right, he's doing this trill stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like this sort of like, embellishments uh even the the original riff itself and the second version they both use this as you were saying this drawing out of things right we were talking about that on my can uh <laughs> the tendency to right find a new sonic space by elongating ideas well this band elongates certain parts of the phrases and breaks them off in places you wouldn't expect which gives them the feeling of organically moving folk melody that's not as tied to rigid rhythmic structures right Um, you know, they have the drums following the melody, right? Uh, so you get a little bit of that guitar sounding like somebody sawing on a one-string fiddle thing or whatever, right? Uh, and that is cool. Um, and it helps also, those, that's kind of asymmetries built into the trem helps throw off the, not only does it make it sound kind of ancient, it also helps throw off our, ear expectations. Because, like, you and me have heard, right, I mean, and a lot of people on the show, right, we've, we've heard big epic single-string trem riffs of that sort of a death metal and vaguely pagan and whatever, but, um, putting the emphases in these weird places is, gives it a lot of originality. Um, clearly there I also like, you know, you, with what you were saying about dissection, that sort of, uh, triplet stagger on the breakdown, da 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 that's very dissection-y, um... The wailing soloing over that is sick, and that's you know. Um yeah, I don't know. I would give this record a very high score for attitude. The sound maybe hasn't quite gelled yet, but maybe it's really just a matter of focusing on the stuff on the last four tracks. Hey yo! This is Brandon from Cromley, and you're listening to Terminus!
0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh the last 15 years have been difficult for black metal. Uh, some people have become confused as to what black metal is about. Uh, they seem to think that it's about uh, plaintive emo riffs or uh, the, uh, the stirring songs that nature presents to us as we walk mm. alone in mm. the forest or, uh, you know, a- any number of various thematic things.
1: Complex he-
0: dissonant chords. Exactly. But we're here to tell you what Black Metal is about. Blast beats, riffs that aren't really riffs, and the devil being really big and strong and destroying your hometown. That's right. We're here. There
1: we go. That's my boy. (laughs) Bro, I hear he's got the fastest motorcycle in the world. He has
0: the fastest motorcycle. He gets smokes and beers back to the party faster than anyone. We're here with Saren Vomit's second record, Awaken Ye Impious Hordes of Shaitan. And, uh... Well goddammit, it's just it's exactly what it advertises on the cover and I I just I I like it a lot for that, you know. Am I am I becoming a boomer black metal guy because I'm going back to shit that I back when I was growing up it's like this was the most popular thing. You know, 2004 through 2007 so much shit sounded like this and I wasn't into it at the time, but now coming back a little older And a little bit dumber. I'm not going to say wiser. (laughs) Um, This hits the spot. And maybe it's just because of what it's surrounded by. You know, the default mode of black metal has become melodic and delicate and sort of introspective. And Saren Vomit doesn't like any of those words. They want it fast and angry and (laughs) extreme and punishing and cool. You know? It, and you, you know, it's like, yeah.
1: yeah, what is a black metal about? Well, it's being really... It's just being really aggressive and screaming about Satan, right? And the important thing is you can't say it's not, right? Exactly. They, you can never they they say that's di-
0: not black metal.
1: I think that's where the Norse core phrase originally came from, I assume, is sort of like Norse stuff distilled to its core, right? And sure, well, was we it, could argue... We I could argue about meant, where uh, that core is exactly and well, whatever Well it meant uh, right?
0: actually because I was there when they were using that term. It mm. meant like Norse grindcore. Like they ah. accused uh they accused ah. Panzer Division Marduk of being a like basically a grindcore album in Black Metal Drag, which sounds great to me. Sounds yeah, excellent. That sounds um. cool. <laughs> but yeah, that was the origin of the term. And Saren Vomit is a Norse core band.
1: And that is for st- sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. I was always wondering where that term came from because there's now this bizarre usage of it as just an in- a free floating intensifier on the internet. Oh, that's just weird. Fix core to anything, right? There's like this genre of anime music called nightcore. Oh, nightcore! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, like they they just add core to the end of things. Um, <laughs> uh but like. I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to have something with hardcore techno at the beginning. Point being, um, yeah, man, uh, this is you know ten out of ten for the spirit, right? Just um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know, yeah. This is just this is just pure (laughs) poisonous energy in a room. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like yes, this is like like you said in the notes.
0: Half of the songs are just about big demons killing people or destroying towns.
1: Oh, yeah, we got, um, yeah, when they're not going out for beers and cigs. Um, let's (laughs) see, uh, we've got, um, uh, Descending of Hateful Archdemons, uh, Genesis of Demonized Gabriel. Dajal burns Bethlehem Belial's curse upon Vatican violated oh wait sorry technically not about demons um, uh, um and a
0: black witchery cover to close it out so there you go yeah <laughs> you know? well and
1: oh that's yeah as far as yeah obviously not too many big picture observations here but as far as um Another thing would be, one reason this stuff isn't that current anymore is that this particular energy got transferred to the popularization and cleaning up of War Metal. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, And you could hear some, the War Metal connection here is Impiety, right, who we reviewed on the second episode of Terminus. And that is a band that is directly connected to Norsecore and is... uh, directly connected to more both like morbid angel and proper black metal than a lot of this sort of generic like proclamation black witchery imitating stuff right um yeah. it's um or like you know the sort of like generic blasphemy worship right this is um so this is very like in a certain sense this is a war metal record or it would sort of be now but it is really just entirely composed with Black metal parts
0: yeah and we've gone mm. back and forth about the the definition of war metal, but to mm-hmm. me when I listen to this and thinking back to hearing the phrase war metal back in the day, mm-hmm. this is what it meant you know yeah no like Just if like, Panzer
1: Division Marduk isn't war metal like what is what the fuck does it mean
0: exactly because I mm-hmm. when I listen to this I get the same the same feeling basically that I get from like bestial war lust. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Uh, or arch goat when they're really noisy, you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it's, so, I mean, playing samples is almost pointless, but let's do it let's, anyway.
1: Let's just fucking, you, you know, it's a it's a it's a great uh, fucking Wednesday night. Let's just uh, listen to some fucking blast beats together, bro.
0: Exactly. So let's listen to a track mm-hmm. called "Infernal Conquest of Maca," um, <laughs> and. This song rules because Did, the <laughs> this is the best song ahead. on the record too. yeah. So. you think so? Oh I, I like this one a lot. Um, it's just got the big riffs. It's got so it's got this like clean opening riff, which is the first thing that's actually kind of like a melody on the mm-hmm. album. But I skip that and I go to the first like fully distorted riff and uh, I love it because it's not even a riff. It's just a minor scale run, up and down, over and over, and, I mean, God knows how many black metal bands have done a riff like this, but the energy behind it, the way they play it like it is the most important riff in the world and the only one that matters, totally fucking carries it. So, hey, let's conquer Macab, bro. <laughs> So obviously like we're, we're we're playing around we're joking a lot up front but the reality is like listening to this album transports me back to 2004. You know, um it, it there's something about the the elemental quality of these riffs. How they're not even really riffs. They're these simple gestures that we all inherently understand. It's mm-hmm. like Yep, minor scale run up and down, up and down, raise it an octave, do it again. There you go. Like the power is in the structure rather than the notes themselves. It signifies something. It signifies that it's apocalyptic, incredibly heavy black metal, which as we've talked about is something that's sort of been forgotten in a lot of modern black metal. the idea that it can be heavy, it can be brutal, and these guys have used that as a center for their style.
1: Yeah, I'll take this over any number of sort of like, elaborate anime soundtrack rift uh, vampire bands, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Um. Uh, so, like, this is, um, yeah, th- this is just such a forceful series of of transitions, really, right? Though it's it's all in how you stitch it together. Um, so you're talking about that first, really, just savagely scale run riff. The thing that strikes me about that is the rhythmic inflection under it. This is the first place on the record. Also, I really like that lead in riff on this track. The kind of immortal sounding riff mm-hmm. um, that you skipped, but is awesome. Um, and <laughs> uh, the but like before this track, the first two don't really do it for me. It's just like I agree. Uh, yeah. They're in to the meat of the album. Straight up Panzer Division Marduk, uh, you know, and like look um it's hard to like that album more than me. I'm one of the few people who listens to it sober. I've had my nose broken at a Marduk show, but that also <laughs> means that th- that also means that like I know those riffs, bro. Um <laughs> right. Um so uh, and and that, that certain you, to, to do that certain approach to just like linear blasting and buzzsaw riffs, there really has to be some sort of particular momentum in the riffs themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a moment where they just start doing a bunch of other different shit that like people who are worshipping that style don't necessarily do. And so, you, you know, they're playing that riff at really high intensity. One thing that makes it land in, in part is the drums, you get this, like, I don't even know how to describe it. You, like, he's doing an eighth. It's like an eighth blast, but it's not the battering war metal eighths. You know I always love an eighth note blast, right? But, like, this is more sort of clipped. It's like... He's just
0: syncopating uh, it to the uh, to the upbeat. Yeah.
1: Ah, uh, see, yes. Uh, thank you for speaking the language of, of rhythms. Um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so it's... Um, you it to the upbeat, and it's the the um. What's the uh? You know what's. You, I'm I'm gonna forget this too. You know you're the person who really knows how to record albums and shit. What's the fu- what's the um? What's the little symbol with your uh with your foot on it? Um. <laughs> the hi hat. Yeah, the hi hat. Him. Um. I remember <laughs> symbols. I remember hi hats. Um. He's doing this, I think that's a hi-hat thing and he's doing chokes on it, right? But like you get this little like this mincing kind of cymbal pattern clipping over it and cutting it. So the whole beat acquires this kind of like like um crazily bouncing quality to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or just like a, guillot- yeah. a guillotine going up and down like too fast like ch- 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 But not even a guillotine it really bounces it's like um it's not fun bouncing it's more like you know like it's hard to think of the right image for it right but it's um uh maybe maybe a certain kind of stomping right but um I, i get what you mean no this is yeah this is a very drum
0: driven record
1: which is yeah, yeah, so that's a weakness of some things in this style, right, is it's very drum-driven, but all the drummer does. That's the, ever, the thing everyone complained about back in the day. Very drum-driven, all the drummer does is blast. Here, they're letting the drummer play. And, like, I've literally never heard anyone do that exact thing with a hi-hat.
0: Oh, yeah, no. The, the the drumming style on this record is really interesting because it's, it's very behind the beat. You know, the yeah. guitars are really mm-hmm. driving forward. And the drums are, like, lagging just a
1: touch behind. And they're just playing this controlling role over the guitars. Like, I mean, yeah, the way that grinds against the main riff is extremely heavy. And it's like, clearly he wrote the drum part to the riff, Mm -hmm. but the drum part's more important. Like, they are really talking to each other. It, like, puts all the inflection in the riff.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, one of the main guys in this band, uh God Slayer, uh, he's the uh, he's the guitarist. Um he's uh he's part of a band that I'm familiar with called Are you ready for the best band name of all time? God Slaying Hellblast. Um which is fucking awesome, long-running uh Turkish black metal band, uh just which basically sounds like this but even more minimal and primitive um so that sounds awesome it's, it's fucking sick yes i was God gonna Slang ask how Helplast is that different films.
1: from this yeah um oh
0: dude yeah. no it's like the the because in Saren vomit they do the octave at the end of the riff in god's <laughs> Hellblast they don't you know yeah. it's like it's it's fucking it's killer um so it's interesting because it's not a band started by a drummer, but it feels like a drummer band, you know. Mm-hmm. It Feels like everything is everything is drawn towards this center of gravity in just like brutal, like punishing rhythm, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's wonderful because of that that used to be a, a thing that you would hear a lot back in the day, but now it's uh, kind of a, a forgotten thing in black metal. Like really, it's it's like I said. Am I becoming a boomer? It's like I I love hearing these ideas from 15 years ago suddenly coming back. You know, and it's so exciting mm-hmm. and fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is uh, yeah, th- this is cool. Um, I yeah, so I I guess this yeah you you were saying earlier, like pretty much all every record gets its momentum later, right? So it, it yeah. really just. Hits from sec, you know, second track, like third track on. Um, uh, yeah. So, again, where you pick pick the sample is a little bit just like it's not totally throw darts at the track list, but you know, there's a lot of cool shit that sounds like this. The end of Infernal Conquest of Makah is awesome. They turn it into this very kind of um Marduk version of a triumphant melodic riff. Um and it's, oh, it's very like, effective. Um, it's like
0: I said in the uh, it's like yeah. I said in the notes. It, there's two emotional modes for this record. Mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. mad or you're proud of being mad. Exactly.
3: <laughs> and the proud and I, of I, being... saw,
0: I saw you reference that in your notes. Is this
1: one of those proud of being mad riffs? <laughs> yeah, I mean really like there's a um or I call them infernal trumpet riffs like <laughs> much cooler sounding than my interpretation yeah no but, but it's the same mood you know yeah i mean there's different kinds of proud to be mad riffs but like there's a specific we'll, we'll get into it uh we'll, so here is although i think not on this sample um this is impaling the pilgrims on stakes um <laughs> and uh let's impale them
0: I love how many of the riffs on this record are just the the big
1: Buried by Time and Dust riff,
0: like in different yeah.
1: variations. That's pretty close to the Infernal Trumpet riff, although it gets more trumpety. Um, but they're very good at this kind of giving things, I don't know the technical term for it, you can spot, modulate things in a way that makes them sound more droning and keening, and also, often more major key, right? Like, just introduce a kind of unexpected major key vibe within a sawing minor key riff. Yeah, and I gotcha. do it in a way that creates this, um, a kind of triumphant feel that is very different from the sort of like flowingly harmonized minor scale stuff that's big now for Epic, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure, that's like mayhem, like distilling some of the, uh, you know the parts that didn't make it into Orthodox, right? Yeah, that, yeah, are the coolest parts on the album, right? <laughs> yeah, we're like within the same riff, he'll glide from like a like a nasty chromatic slide into something that just sounds glorious, right? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, rest in peace, bro. Uh, rest in chaos, sorry. Rest in you know hellfire and shit. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, so you you know what I'm really gonna comment on during this though, right? For this, album. oh yeah, the rhythmic shit. Yeah. Um, you know, um a lot of bands in the this style were infamous for using constant blast beats, plus maybe some kinda not that interesting breakdowny stuff, right? Mm. Um This has punk beats. This has Slayer beats, right? Uh yeah. and um and it also has that sort of like there's a part towards the beginning of that sample where it's got a duck, a duck, a duck, a duck, a duck. You know, this, like, downbeat-based headbang section, which just, like... I've talked about this on the show before, but I can count on the number of... I can like, count on my hands the number of times we've heard shit like that on this show, right? That's such an elemental extreme metal gesture, and it's completely missing these days. Like, snare, you know, snare kick, but not as a blast beat, just you know um it's it's like uh you know slaughter strapado kind of shit right yeah, um i get that well yeah, and yeah.
0: that's one of the funny things is, you know we call this the uh a norse core record but there's actually like there's some blast beats but that's not the
1: dominant rhythmic mode of this record No, the track actually, we skipped it, but the track actually opens with this Celtic Frost kind of strut that, you know, could also be kind of the Dark Throne Shadow of the Horns Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And it's a thing that a lot of bands do really bad. Um, The funny thing is this band does, like, they don't do anything to the rhythmic form of the riff or the note choice to particularly make it groove really hard or sound really nasty. Mm-hmm. It's just played really well and with conviction. Like, the groove comes... It's almost like it's written pretty... Everything's kind of colored within the lines in a way that for another band it would often make it not land. Mm-hmm. This is just... Like, it's just everyone is playing. There's no, like, guitar playing against the drums or everything like that. They're just all grooving really hard, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and
0: it really comes down to just... What separates this band from others really is a a matter of like undefinable energy, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a real passion behind this. There's a real intensity. They're really committed to the idea of a giant demon destroying a city. You know, (laughs) it's it's easy to be like, oh, I'm going to do a black metal record like this, but it's different from
1: really believing in it. And really engaging with it. I think that's for sure true. Yes. Um, And, well, you know, it's that this band is playing the extremity game, right? They're playing the arms race game. uh, Which so many people stopped playing years ago and just decided to start focusing on, you know, uh, silly things like songwriting and atmosphere. Um, uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, especially in black metal. Or, well, actually, we've talked about this everywhere. It happened in death metal too, right? It's just a thing in the two thousands, right? Where just so yeah. many bands just like put down the arms race. This band yet, is competing. Like this is way more intense than most early two thousands Norsecore.
0: Well, yeah, and that that's the thing is like you know you talk about. I mean, obviously, jokingly, the idea of you know uh, you know we're gonna do this instead of being a the atmosphere, but there is a real atmosphere to this yeah, music. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. just the, the word atmosphere nowadays conveys, Oh, look, the elm trees in the autumn. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, they're um, yellow and orange and they make me think of my past loves. No atmosphere can also be a giant demon smashing buildings. You know, that's
3: yeah, like,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's not a term, you know, affixed to a certain kind of like, bittersweet melancholy you know mm. it's, it can be or
1: or like you know strange meshes of arbitrarily arranged chords right exactly uh, yes <laughs> um yeah no no this certainly has that going for it and uh you know I mean and also if there's anything else it's really just that like it's not that there's st- some bands it's like oh god this is this is a genre exercise but they throw in some extras right? Yeah. This band isn't throwing in extras. They just have a much more open sense of what this could sound like than other bands. You know what I mean? Like, why couldn't it have fucking Slayer beats and and Mayhem parts? And those aren't, like, confectionary. They're, like, integral to what's going on.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. because we could could really dive into it, and it's like, there is a distinct kind of Near East quality to a lot of the riffing. There is a unique... Uh melodic sensibility, but that's not the most important thing.
1: For some reason, I had that in my notes and then it's not there anymore. Yes, that is true. Um, This band does a thing we've talked about before on the show, which is uh, how do you do Middle Eastern black metal that doesn't fall into the problem of sounding like Western people's idea of like snake charmer music, right? Mm. Um, Which you can find in the occasional accesses of Nile or even music by actual Middle Easterners like Malakash. Although... Mm they're they're a 50 50 band some of their shit is absolutely killer right um but uh you know how how do you avoid that we've talked we talked about with lycopolis they did it really well right it's like okay you just play the kind of middle eastern scales that are basically baked into the definition of extreme metal since rain and blood right yeah but you throw in some intervals that are just things that only someone who's like, grows up listening to Middle Eastern music in different contexts can can think of, right? This band certainly does that quite well. They don't make a big deal about it um, at all. There, there's no gimmickry employed. It's just they have a broader sense of how you can use these scales and work in different feelings, and it's, it's, and it's, it's really, yeah, that certainly adds a lot. But does it yeah. have a Middle Eastern atmosphere? No, it's just made by dudes from Turkey who fucking want to nuke Mecca. <laughs> well, with that, and the Vatican, with... <laughs>
0: and the Vatican, and probably yes. anything which has any sort of holy yes.
1: building. Yeah, they want to nuke. They want to nuke Bethlehem, You know, yeah, Jerusalem too for good they measure. Want to nuke um... everything. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So, uh... speaking of which, Belial's curse upon Vatican. um Here's another great example of a very plain kind of. 2000s black metal riff that's just so powerful because there's so much energy behind it Mm -hmm. it's uh one thing that i think is cool is like this is not a black death record but the the sort of heaviness and just the Mm -hmm. brutality of it is very death metal to me
1: it's Um, the impiety
0: thing exactly yeah and uh Here's a great example, and here's where I wrote in the notes. There's two moods. You're mad, and then you're kind of proud about being mad. So let's uh, <clears throat> let's all get proud about being mad. <laughs> <laughs> so many of the riffs on this record are essentially the same it's a minor scale run and then a fifth up do the same scale run how did these guys pull that off better than so many other people
1: sometimes they change the scale run when they put it a fifth up and you would be surprised how many people don't do that
0: oh that's that's true there there is more in these things but they the immediate quality of so much mm-hmm. of this is just like well, we it's were both exactly about, what it says
1: on the tin we, you know we were both just as soon as it hit we were both just yelling at each other over the sample about the first that first riff right which is like oh yeah note for note if you isolate it that riff has been played there you know they're like there are many, like, more melodically engaging versions of that riff. But it's the part of 90s Norwegian black metal that everyone forgets about, which is Satanic Speed Metal. Um, mm-hmm. What I was ranting about to you over that is that, like, even Dark Throne, who should be reviving that exact aspect of their sound, kind of forget about it. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's
0: also... They're also doing a slight augmentation. They're Again, they're they're twisting the rhythm. You see, mm-hmm. there the the guitars are falling back. It's kind of a, a slide up into the riff. You, you know, the the guitar mm-hmm. part is syncopated there. You know, and I think that if I listen to this record some more, which I probably will, um, mm-hmm. I'll notice a lot of like guitar drum kind of rhythmic inversion stuff. I think they're constantly pulling ahead or pulling behind each no, other.
1: Yeah, it's it's really just in the way they play it. Like if you try to isolate that riff, it won't you won't be able to figure out why it's good if you try to, like, map... I mean, I used to do this too much with riffs, you know? You just sort of abstractly map them in sonic space, right? Yeah. Um, and I used to think too much just about the vertical space and not the rhythms. This show has helped me think way more about rhythm. Um, but, like, even leaving that aside, right? Just vertical space and rhythm, map it abstractly, won't work. It's how they're... It's exact. just the particular inflection of how they're playing it. Um, and... Uh, how they're really good at taking riffs that, that riff, I don't even think, like, there's nothing structurally about that riff that gives it any particular drive relative to any other riff like that. It's just how they play it, and they're really good at doing that. Yeah. Mm. It's, um, you know, yeah, definitely a lot of X-Factor type shit here. Um, you've got another, any other th- stuff about this one? Uh,
0: oh no, man! Go ahead. Let's do some more demons fucking shit up.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you were gonna say the uh, the last riff on that also was with the, the sort of big double double bass halftime and the right. That that's a probably oh yeah. A
0: mad riff. That, that's that's an example of the. Uh... So the riffs leading up to that are being mad, and that is a riff where you're proud to be mad.
3: Yes, you, know? you look at
1: you. You look at the burning buildings that come up to your waist, and you you giggle. Yeah, you're still um,
0: fucking pissed, but
1: yeah. you're you're mm-hmm. happy about what you accomplished. You know? <laughs> yes, um, like uh, like that riff also is a good example of the sort of Middle Eastern quality that is not rubbing itself in your face. Right, it's just. It's just there. There's a little trill in the riff. It sounds heavy. Moving on. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, so dodge burns Bethlehem.
0: That sounds cool. Hell yeah! <laughs> Let's do it.
1: I that fucking was the riff. love it. <laughs> the last one was the riff to Blood Dawn on Panzer Division Marduk, and it's the second time they quote it. Um, I was about da, to say, da, 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 I, I'm sure there's... Da blood
3: Dawn!
0: Um, I'm sure there's yeah. dozens of Marduk quotes across this record.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this is more than casual. Um, uh, but um, However, um, I think one of the first ones happened in one of the first two songs. Um, which are the the less good ones? This happens here, and I'm just like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah, it's like, yes, that is a great riff. I agree with you.
0: Um oh, uh, and, as you as you mentioned while we were listening to uh, to refer to it, mm-hmm. uh, the vocals on this record fucking rule, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love a black metal vocalist that sounds like he's using two lungs full of air for every syllable. And that's the quality you get here. It sounds like he's out of breath like every two words that he screams. And he's just, he, I mean, it really, that's the whole album. Everyone sounds so fucking pissed across mm-hmm. this whole thing. Which is, and oddly enough for black metal, an emotion that's been forgotten by the yeah. uh, the major, um, you know, uh alternative culture ink black metal bands it's that oh well for a, sure yeah. yeah a lot of black metal back in the day was about being really fucking pissed you know Yeah. and uh thankfully we still have bands like this to remind us oh yeah you're supposed to be mad while you play this
1: dude i mean yeah so example of infernal trumpet riff uh the beginning and just before the blood dawn riff the beginning and end of that sample um uh right they they do this this the beginning has just this little shade of harmony in it, and they just take one of those uh, I think the core riff is chorded, it's not a lead, but they take this very high-end trem, and just sort of twist it up in this kind of um, uh, brighter or more major inflected way, and they make it drone a lot. And it just sounds its fucking nasty, right? It does not sound quote-unquote triumphant in the buzzword way that is so popular these days that I will probably got to stop complaining about soon because that was for the last six months. Um, (laughs) uh, But um, it just sounds proud to be mad.